0: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with the Riven, Andrew Velez. And this is now episode 95. In this episode, we'll be debating if DeAndre Ayton is a top five center, if Trey Young is a top ten player, And we'll be talking about Rick Carlisle getting hired by the Pacers and Emei Adoka being hired by the Boston Celtics. Then we'll talk about the aftermath of the NBA lottery, the Pistons getting the top pick, who should Houston select, the direction that Orlando and Toronto should go in, and OKC dropping down to sixth pick. And also the Chicago Bulls not having a pick in the first round. That's something that has gotten Riv very upset. <laughs> they traded their future for Nikola Vucevic. That's what they did, basically. And it's not even... It's They traded two first-round picks. So it's this first-round pick, years? 2023. Okay. They'll have theirs next year. But Chicago isn't looking very good. But this is episode 95. You guys would like to. You can rate our podcast, an Apple podcast. Give us a five-star rating. It's, it won't take too long. But yeah, we're pre, we appreciate you guys. You guys are listening right now. Sons up 2-0 in the Clippers. Bucks got upset by the Hawks. Trey Young had a phenomenal game. But we're going to talk about DeAndre Ayton and the Phoenix Suns first because that alley-oop sealed the game. They're calling it the Valley-oop right now.
1: That's so tough.
0: And I guess we could talk about the series for a little while, (laughs) but I wanted to ask you guys this question because obviously DeAndre Ayton has been really phenomenal in these playoffs. Do you think that he has now become a top five center in the NBA. And I'll just list out some names. You have Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Bam, Kat, Gobert, Vucevic, Jonas Valanciunas, Clint Capella. Those are just some of the top centers in the NBA. Anthony? He's not a center. Anthony Davis is not a center. Really? I don't four. think he's okay. a center. I think he's a four. Okay.
2: He's definitely in the Giannis class. He's a four.
0: So, DeAndre and do you think he has put himself in that top five converse- conversation amongst top centers.
2: I think he's definitely put himself in the conversation. You know, I think in this playoff run, first round, he plays AD. Granted, not for too many games, but he plays AD, holds his own. Second round, plays the Joker, holds his own. You know, granted, Joker was having, a, you know, great game after great game, but Aiden was doing everything he could. And he was trying to capitalize. and He was on offense. He was doing his thing, too. So I think going up against, in a lot of people's minds, either the number one or the number two power forward in the NBA, then going up against, in a lot of people's mind the best center in the NBA, the MVP, and holding your own at, if I'm not mistaken, 22 years old, I think that definitely puts you in the conversation. Something we've never seen Cat done. We haven't seen Embiid done. We haven't seen Bam done. This is something DeAndre has done in his first playoff run. So I think we have to start considering as a top five big because when you look at it too, he he almost can do anything on the court. He's a great defender. He can hit that... Mid-range jump shot. He has a great post game. He's a great pick and roller. He's a great screener. He does everything that a big man. You can't, it's not even like a Rudy Gobert where you can take him off the court. You can't because Aiden is so dominant on the glass and so dominant on offense on the other end in the post. I mean, you see what he's doing to the Clippers right now. That small ball lineup isn't working because he's so effective in the mid-range game. He's been effective on the glass. So I think looking at it, you have to put him in that top five conversation just because of the run he's had.
1: So I have him just outside the top five, actually. I have him beat over him. I got Jokic over him. I got Karl-Anthony Towns over him. I got Gobert over him. That was the closest one in my opinion. And I have Valanciunas over him, too. Uh, he's just on the outside looking in. I feel like if I'm going to compare Gobert and Aiton, I, lo- I like Aiton's offensive game more than I like Gobert's. It's just that Gobert is just such a force on the inside defensively. It's like Aiton averages .5 blocks a game. Where Gobert averages two, so that's and Gobert averages two less points than Aiden and averages two two more rebounds than Aan. So it's really close between them right now. Obviously, Aan Aiton, Aan's in the Western Conference Finals. Gobert's team just got kicked out. I don't want to say in spite of Gobert, but Gobert had a had a had a part in that uh, in that Utah series uh, going the way that it did. So right now, I'm gonna say not yet. Definitely has the potential to. Dude is really efficient scoring the basketball. Like like Riv mentioned, his mid range game is what makes him so efficient. He shoots the free throw, uh, the free throw relatively well. His inside game solid. His post game solid. Uh, he's really breaking out this this uh, this postseason. So I'm gonna say not yet, but definitely the, the potential to.
0: I think he's put himself there. I mean, the only <clears throat> four centers that I could see over him that are over him right now at this point: Nikola Jokic, Embiid, Bam, and Cat. Everybody else is debatable. Gobert, because he lacks that offensive game, I can't put him over Aiden because I think Aiden has showed he can be a great defender, but he can be good on offense as well. He's not a liability where Gobert is. And even then, I think Aiden does a good job switching on perimeter guards, and he has some nice lateral quickness to guard those players. Vucevic, 21-11, and you could make the case for him, but... He just he's just not good on defense at all. Where Aiden is, Valanciunas seventeen and twelve. He's a really good player, but I think that that's close. But I I would just pick Aiden because I'm thinking about now, but I'm also thinking about long term as well. I mean DeAndre Aiden, he's 22. He's just scratching the surface of what he's going to be. Definitely. There was a reason why he was the consensus number one pick. Like at the time of I the remember. draft, in hindsight, we're looking at it like, oh, maybe they should have taken Luca or Trey, but he was a consensus number one pick at the time. He was called the next Shaq, and his regular season wasn't too impressive, 14 points, 10 rebounds. I thought he was going to take an all-star leap this past season, but in the playoffs, he's been averaging 16, 11, 0.5 blocks per game. He could get that up a little bit, but what he's been doing in these playoffs, holding his own against top centers like Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, dominating so far against the Clippers, having these insane highlights, I can't put him outside my top five. I think he's that fifth player, and next season, depending on the leap he takes, I'd put him over. I'd put him over Bam.
2: Okay. Ah, it's 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 tough because you know I look at the I look at both ends of the floor, and Rudy Gobert. He's just such, especially because you know we could talk about the regular season, regular season, but in the playoffs, you know when guys are a liability on offense, we've seen them like Ben Simmons, Rudy Gobert. They become liabilities to their team, and Aiden, and we thought you know, defensively, maybe the small ball lineup was going to mess it up for him and he was going to be a liability, but he's become so effective in this lineup for them and they've been able to keep him on the floor. He even won a game for them with the big, you know, dunk at the end. So I just, like you said, the Joker, duh. Embiid, duh. Bam, yeah. Cat, yeah, because his offensive game is so impressive, but He's probably
0: the best shooting big man in the league right now.
2: I think by far he is. He is, he definitely is. It's just with Cat. It's 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 hard because Cat. You know he plays for the Tim Wolves, so it's hard to see what we only seen him one time in the playoffs. So it's it's going to be a struggle for that. But like you said, I think next year if he takes that leap, I think Bam and Cat he could possibly sneak over because we're probably not going to see. We might not see Cat in the playoffs next year. And judging this, it's, this is just one playoff series, but. He's played against the best, so judging from what we've seen, Aiden is probably
1: going to continue the success in the playoffs. It's just that right now, obviously, his team's amazing, and they're winning, so that's going to play a factor into people thinking that you know he has a chance to be a top five big in the league, or is a top five big in the league right now. I just think that there are other players, talent-wise, I'd take over him. Right now, obviously, he looks amazing. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I just think that if Fallon was on this team, he'd be doing uh he'd be basically doing the exact same thing that he's doing, except defensively, I think he'd be a little bit more of a force. And then you look at Gobert, like you mentioned, I think I would rather Aiden right now. Aiden allows me to space the floor a lot better. Uh the defense, obviously, I'm taking Gobert, but it's not like he's completely irrelevant defensively. Uh I I just think that I'm not hundred percent ready to just go all in and say he's top five. It's just I'm not gonna go recency bias and say Obviously he we're we're watching him, we're not watching Jokic, we're not watching Embiid, we're not watching these other guys. So that might be why, you know, this conversation's been going on, but it's definitely not too far fetched. I think but
2: I think the thing with recency bias is recency bias I feel like is more geared towards if me and Joel, you know, if I've I'm an MVP this year but and Joel was behind me, but Joel had a great first round, mm. and then they talk about oh, this is why he's better. I think that's more of a recency bias. This is Aiden has been doing this round one, round two and this is round 3 he's kept up the consistent play and it's not just against scrubs either it's against Anthony Davis it's against the joker so this is against guys who are top we believe are top 10 in the league top 10 top 5 so these are like it's not just it's it can be say people could say this is one run i can understand that we can wait and see on the process but when you break down the run it's against competitive guys like mm-hmm. superstar players like Anthony Davis, the Joker, these are superstar players. So I think recency bias can kind of be set back when you look at the context and add the extra information.
0: And and Jonas is a good center, but in Toronto, there was a reason he didn't get much playing time. And they traded him for Marcus Saul. And now it's because on defense, he just doesn't impact the game defensively that well. That's why they got Marcus Saul. And if it wasn't for that trade, I don't think we're sitting here and saying that the Raptors are the 2019 champions because Marcus Saul made a huge difference on their defensive identity. I don't think that's Valanciunas. I think Ayan has the an edge, and as offensive players, I think
2: they're the same. I think the Clippers would have been able to run him off the court.
0: Yeah, I think so too, because I don't think his He's foot speed slow. is that grand. But moving on a little bit to to Game 3 now, that is tonight. So by the time this podcast is recorded and people listen to it or hear it for the first time, Game 3 is probably going to be underway or already be done with. What do you expect? Chris Paul is coming back today. Kawhi, I don't expect him to come back for the series. I don't think he's coming back. Yeah. But based on what you've seen from Game One and Two, what do you expect in Game Three?
2: Um. Okay. So Game One, I feel like in the shootout, you know, the Suns just got the better of them. I feel like the Clippers were a little bit tired, as you can see, coming off that Game Six. You know, they didn't have much rest, but they still fought. And then on being Phoenix, I think Game Two was kind of more of the dugout fight. It wasn't a good game from either Stars, Devin Booker, or Paul George. Paul George was kind of kicked it up in the fourth, but. The Clippers lost that game themselves. I think game two, Paul George missing those free throws at the end of the game cost him that game. You know, and even after the free throws he missed, they had multiple opportunities. The Phoenix has multiple opportunities to get it. And they still, they needed the DeAndre and dunk, which was, I think, like their third or fourth attempt to win the game to get that W. So I think the Clippers, I feel like that game winner kind of sunk everything out of the Clippers. I think they'll win game three tonight, but I think this will probably be the only game they have a chance of winning. I just think coming back from 2-0, you know, it was already hard in Dallas and the Jazz. They were kind of, you know, Donovan Mitchell being on that ankle injury and Mike Conley being hurt, I think that kind of helped them a little bit. This team is just – Devin Booker is fully healthy. Bridges is fully healthy. Aiden is fully healthy. Chris Paul is coming back. I think this is the time they need Kawhi, and Kawhi is not going to come back and save them. Granted, they fought hard. But I think uh, Clippers would take tonight, but I think it's probably over after this.
1: It's been a series of unfortunate events for the Clippers. You have the dunk by A.N. Now you got Chris Paul coming back. It's just a lot of things that are just not going the Clippers way right now. And you look at game one. Clippers were in that game basically the entire time. It's just the Suns just out, outmatched them towards the end of the game. Nothing you could really do about that in the Valley. You you take that one to the chin. Game two, a definitely a winnable game. Fortunately, your boy just couldn't clutch up, even though he was amazing the entire game. Just up, right up until the very last second, he sure. missed
0: two free throws. Yeah, yeah it hurt.
1: It's just one of those where you have a guy like Paul George, who's an 85 career percent free throw shooter. You'd, you'd expect him to make those free throws. Unfortunately, they don't go in. Uh, Aiden ends up stealing a game for the Suns. And you just now you get Chris Paul coming back. It's just I don't see it happening for the, for the Clippers right now. I just think that that like you said, it sucked the life out of the Clippers. You get Chris Paul back, who's just going to open up the offense even more for them. And I just think, I said it last year, I'm going to stick to my guns. I think that this is a sweep. I think that this game is definitely going to be close, because like you mentioned, the Clippers are going to be in desperation mode. But I just think the Suns are just playing such great basketball together that I'm just going to ride the Suns.
0: I can't rule out the Clippers because they've come down from 0-2 before, and Tyler was amazing at adjusting. But I think Monty Williams is, is a great coach as well. And to begin the season... The Phoenix Suns, I had them being one of the top seeds. I thought they could finish with maybe the third seed in the mm-hmm. in the West. They finished with the second. I, I didn't think they were finals contenders, though. I mean, it, especially since when they faced the Lakers in the first round, I thought that was the death of them. But obviously, they proved me wrong. And they just feel like a championship team. And it's more than just Chris Paul. And I think the Suns showed that when they beat the Clippers two times without Chris Paul. And... I kind of got annoyed because Campaign had 29 points.
2: That hurt, too. He, he
0: was phenomenal.
1: Zero turnovers. I think he had like yeah. some, over seven assists. He, he was phenomenal.
0: Like and in the post game, I'm hearing Stephen A. Smith and Mike Wilbon talk about the game. And all they're really talking about is Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. And really? people in the media act like Chris Paul taught these Phoenix players how to play basketball. They act like these they were not on the rise before Chris Paul got there. Like, of course, Chris Paul has elevated them no doubt about it but Devin Booker was an all-star already Mikael Bridges was improving DeAndre Ayton was improving Jay Crowder Ricky Rubio last year the Suns were a very competitive team could have made the playoffs and the fact that Chris Paul is getting all the praise for how Phoenix is playing is annoying I love Chris Paul so I let it slide somewhat but Monty Williams is an offensive genius James Jones has done an an amazing job. He just won the executive con- of the year. Exactly at, con- at constructing this roster, so I think people people need to back off. The Chris Paul is the reason why Phoenix is where they are because it's more than Chris Paul. This is a complete team, literally.
2: Yeah, no i i I, I take one. I take this one to the chin. You know, I didn't have Phoenix getting this far, being this great of a team. So I, t- I definitely apologize to Phoenix fans. I take this one to the chin. Really. You know? yeah. I, I didn't I didn't have them go into the WCF, and I damn sure didn't have them beat my boys. Didn't think Kawhi would get hurt either, but I didn't. I, I thought it would be 1-1. Should be 1-1, but I thought it would be 1-1 going back to L.A. It's going to be a fight. You know, L.A. ain't going to go down without swinging. It's going to be tough. I think the, the fans, they get a full capacity fan, so I think that's good too. So it's going to be a fight. You know, Paul George, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, they made adjustments. Devin Booker had a bad game last game, so they they made the proper adjustments. You know, Cameron Payne just unlocked Chris Paul and him and just went wild. So, you know, they're going to have to make adjustments again. But Ty Lu has shown the ability to make adjustments. But I think going forward, like this Clippers team should feel, the Clippers fan base as a whole should feel good about this team and should feel good about the success that they had this year. They should try to bring this whole team back and run it back because I think this team is really, really tough. And this run is only going to gear them to be better going forward.
1: Yeah, no doubt. The fact that they're making this type of run without their best player is impressive in and of itself. Um, but you look at, like you mentioned, the adjustments that they made. Devin Booker had a shot, a, a mediocre game for for obviously his standards. Uh, Tyloo made the adjustment of putting Pat Bev on him, ended up working out in their favor. It's just the Suns are so hot right now that anyone on their roster could go and get them a Booker right now. It could be Campaigns Night. We've seen that it could be Jay Crowder's night. It could be DeAndre Ayton's night. It's just they just have everyone clicking all at once, and it's just too much of a storm at all at once for for the clippers I think to handle right now but you're 100% right the core that they have built together this season how it's come into fruition in in this playoffs without their best player it's something that they they should definitely look towards keeping uh i i, I love that Ty Lue has made all these adjustments Ty tylu's definitely gained some respect out of me uh the other day richard jefferson was trying to say how he ended the the 52 uh year uh, uh, losing streak of the, the Cavaliers getting a championship. And now Ty Lue's about to go and end the, the streak for the Clippers, too. And it's, I thought that that was a little neck, truthfully. But listen, I, I got to give credit to Ty Lue. Last game, he put his boys in position to win. It's just sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. I don't think
0: it's neck. I think that you just thought LeBron did everything.
1: 100% he thought LeBron did everything. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say LeBron did everything because obviously Kyrie Irving was amazing. Oh, I'm sorry.
2: Okay, so from the coaching aspect, LeBron And it did was Ty
1: everything. Lue's first year coaching us also. Oh us, that's interesting. Okay, Tyler's a good
0: coach, man. He's proven it. I, I think mean, he's proven he, it. He's had
1: he's had two good years because the year after, obviously, you're not gonna win. KD join the the Warriors. Well, he has two Finals appearances in a
2: W W no, C. He has three, three Finals. 2016, so 2017, he's coached, 2018. What, Four years and he's made a Finals. And everything. WCF, 2016, 3- 2016, 2017,
1: 2018. Okay, yeah, you're right. and
2: yeah. then he got fired after twenty eighteen. Comes here. He, makes, left. He, will have he left. He left. Yeah. He comes uh-huh. here. And makes
1: a WCF. Mm-hmm. He's never made anything lower than a conference final. So I found this just, funny. Just tweet. the fact that he's trying to say like Tyloo getting credit for that one plus getting I, I'll give him a significant amount more. credit. Yeah, well, for a lot, lot of people didn't give him credit for Cleveland. He should get a.
0: He should get fifty percent of the credit for him coming and back from three one.
1: But what did he really? What adjustments did he really make other than LeBron and Kyrie going God mode? What adjustments did he make?
2: I, I, it's not on the top of my head right now. I'm yeah, not it's gonna, not either. It was a, it was a look long, Trust me. It. Listen, it was a
1: long time ago, and I understand that. But regards to that, LeBron averaged forty for the last three games. Kyrie Irving averaged thirty plus over the last three games. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, not, I can't answer that right like, now. But there's nothing you could like. I get you. Tyloo definitely played a part in that, but no, not nowhere near what he's done. So with So I the saw this
0: funny tweet from a at Nick's Tape underscore Tape at Nicks underscore tape 99 and it was after Trey Young dropped 48 and it was a picture of Chris Paul and Trey and it was CP3's leadership got Trey Young 48 <laughs> but like look I'm out to show you because there are some tweets about Chris Paul I'm telling you like after they beat the Clippers the narrative was about Chris Paul and I think uh, KD's co-host on this podcast mm-hmm. talked about it like yo how are they making this about the Suns listen to what Stephen A. Smith and Mike Wilbon said but he played with the
3: spirit and the intellect of Chris Paul. Yes. That's what? during every day. All those practices. Aiden, what, how do you think
1: Aiden's this good from October to now? Yes, my Williams can be coach of the year. Yes, 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 yes. Chris Paul is the reason is that when you see the end of the game for Chris Paul,
2: you wonder why he's on the game in a twenty on the floor twenty-five right. game, and he's working plays with Aiden. This went on for months. Right.
1: And so he that's not as bad as you made it out to seem. No, I think it's ridiculous. I understand what you're saying, but it's like I think it's cr- ridiculous because they're they're like, oh, the
0: reason why DeAndre Ayton caught that lob is because Chris Paul was practicing nah, plays with him down twenty and games. They're just trying to
1: say, Actually, like, the reason why he's evolved this much from last year to this year is because DeAndre Aiden was really good. I think last Cameron year. Payne is the the guy who gets that's what gets I'm the saying. hundred percent, you're you getting to watch, but Chris Devin Booker has been this type but of But even then, I'm campaign, 100%, but he cam- didn't say Devin Booker. He, they didn't say them. They said DeAndre then, and, and campaign.
0: Even then, campaign last year in the bubble averaged eleven points per game and played like twenty two minutes. Yeah, but, so what, he he was playing well mm-hmm. last year in the bubble. He yeah. was a huge reason to why you know they think, finished a and so
2: I think like, do are we gonna expand this superstar list?
0: We probably well, you
2: have to. Before the show. Devin Booker fact. is. Are we looking at him as a superstar like and, playing and think, Donovan Mitchell and I think we could Trey Young superstar.
0: And I think we could talk about this now because Trey Young. He's been phenomenal. We're we're talking about expanding the superstar list, and Trey Young a list on the
2: board behind Trey Young you might have lit. to
0: be expanded. He might have to be in that conversation. Game one, he dropped forty eight points, seven rebounds, eleven assists. These are some of the things he accomplished with that game alone.
2: It was a
1: lot.
0: He joins Luka as the only player age twenty two or younger with a forty five point ten assists playoff game. Oh my God, he has the sixth most points in a conference finals game. First player ever with 45 and 10 in a conference finals game and first conference finals win for the Atlanta Hawks since the 1970s. I think it's 1971. And Trey Young, to me, I think could be a top 10 player. We talk about superstars in the NBA and you have LeBron, KD, Steph, Harden, that's four, Giannis, five, Jokic, Luka, Kawhi. There's eight solidified guys in that list, but then it gets tricky.
2: did the Joker isn't solidified?
0: Nah, I said the Joker. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. MB, Dame, PG, Tatum, Kyrie, A D, Booker, Mitchell, Trey. Like there are a lot of players who are could get left out the top ten. Did you say Dame? Yeah, I did say Dame. He did. So I mean Trey Young, I would take like this is hard because I would take him over A D and Kyrie.
2: Okay. But is Trae he better Young. than either one of them?
0: I think Trey Young's better than Kyrie. Okay, well, so Kyrie. we're
1: in agreement. He's not better than Anthony Davis. I was going to say a healthy Anthony take Davis, him over AD already.
0: Defensively, no. But if I if guy running my offense, yeah, oh, Trey Young. yeah, I think a guard. Is, Yeah, I, I, I think get Trae that. Young but we also
1: can't forget that Anthony Davis dropped thirty four consecutive games on the guy we were saying is a top five center in the league. Now, you understand what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. Wait, who you talking about? AD gave AD him thirty four consecutive nights. I'm talking that's, about Aiden. Correct. Okay. That's all, all I'm saying is that's that's. Okay. A little bit too far right now. Um, the guys, I don't think it is. The guys you just named, I think
2: Donovan Mitchell has made his case. He's a superstar. I agree. Him, Booker. Agreed. I think Paul George is creeping back into that comfortability. I think he's starting to make people look at him like. Not top 10.
0: No, I didn't say top. I didn't say, I didn't say oh, top. No, Because we're I talking
2: said, top 10 right now. I
0: don't think. I think PG is just outside of a, a superstar. I think yeah, Trey Young's I, better than PG, too. I, I agree. Yeah, I
2: agree. I think. Yeah, Trey Young's better than him. I think Tatum is in that conversation. But I think. Only guy who has who has the strong case for it is probably Trey Young, Booker, and Mitchell right now. Mitchell just
1: got bounced. These out. are the guys I have over him for sure. Obviously, LeBron, KD, Steph, Kawhi, Harden, probably Giannis, Jokic, Giannis for sure. That's eight. So then I had Embiid, Mitchell, Booker, AD. I feel like I'm I, putting I, Embiid I, over Trey Young. See, I think
0: there are eight players that you can't take out of the top ten. That's LeBron, KD, Steph, Harden, Giannis, Nikola Jokic, Luca, and Kawhi.
2: Okay, that's a, fair, then, that's a fair. Then
0: we're talking about the next two. Who are the next two? Embiid, it could be Dame, Dame, it could be Tatum, it Listen, could be I'm taking, Booker. I'm taking Trey it could over be Dame AD, right now. It could be Mitchell, and then it could be Trey. I mean, for me, th- okay, Embiid, because of his fourth quarter blunders, mm-hmm. I don't know if I could put him there, and I I don't think the centers have as big as an impact on the game as a guard. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I may put Trey over Embiid. So you have for, Jokic
1: over Embiid for sure.
0: For me, the nine and ten spots, it's between Booker, Mitchell, Tatum, Trey,
1: the fact is AD NAD. has oh, an okay. AD.
0: Oh. That that's who I think is between. And I don't know if I can put Trey Young top ten yet, because I think in healthy AD, he's top ten most definitely. And then can I put Trey over Devin Booker? He's been phenomenal in these playoffs as well. Can I put him over Donovan Mitchell? That's gonna be tough. I think if if I want a guy to lead my team, be the floor general of my team, I may put Trey over those guys. But they're just phenomenal scorers. Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell both. So is Jason Tatum. Like all these guys have a case to be in the top ten.
2: I've seen it more with Tatum and Mitchell. So I think those guys probably have the in, best. Case. In what sense? Like we've seen Donovan Mitchell put up magnificent performance in the playoffs. We've seen Tatum put magnificent performance in the playoffs. We've seen Trey do it before a year, you know, just for one stretch. Same thing with Devin Booker. So, I think those two guys probably have... The, I have AD in my top 10. He may have dropped down a few spots after mm. this horrible season, but he's still... Horrible. He's still, nonetheless, a ah. top 10 player mm-hmm. in the NBA. I think that would be my ninth spot. Now, 10 gets tricky because I have... I would put Dame in that 10th spot, but I... Donovan has a case. Devin has a case. Trey has a case. Tatum has a case. But I think Trey. I think Trey just jumped into top fifteen. I don't think none of us had him in the top fifteen before, before this year. No, no way. Before the year started, no way. even before the playoffs started, I don't think none of us had him. Because before
1: 15. the season, I would have taken Zion over him. Truthfully.
2: Okay, so I didn't have him in my top fifteen. I think he's creeped in. Him, Mitchell, Booker have creeped into my no top fifteen. So is
0: it safe to say that there are, fi- there are fifteen superstars in the NBA? Is Zion okay, a so superstar? Wait, no. I think Zion has the potential to be a superstar. Yeah. I don't think he's, he's not a, it become yet. one okay, yet. Okay, so wait. Even though his numbers show otherwise. Correct. He's phenomenal.
2: Nine, we
1: agreed, was AD. and then. But I,
2: I
0: don't think you have to be a top 10 player say to be a
1: superstar. Embiid. He didn't say Embiid. So, I feel like Embiid has to be top 10 after let, this let me that's, name, that's where it's getting tricky. Let, let me
0: name 15 players and tell me if you think these guys Well, wait.
1: Are, Before you do that, what's the definition of a superstar?
0: You can, be the, you can be the best player on a championship team or at least lead lead your team to get there.
2: So at least a finals, a conference final. A
0: conference finals appearance,
2: a finals appearance. Well then let me ask you a question, because this gets tricky. Is Jimmy Butler a superstar? I think so. That's 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 what you you based off your definition, I don't know. is Jimmy Butler a superstar? Because he he has done it before. And judging from what he did in Miami, with the proper reset, he can probably do it again. In his first year, he took him to the finals. And based yeah. off Atlanta's circumstances, Trey Young has might do it once. It's know. hard for me to call Jimmy Butler a superstar. Right? Me too, but I'm saying based off your definition, that's why it's like it gets tricky. You got you, you get selective, mm-hmm. you know? But let me hear your 15, though.
0: These are the 15 superstars in the NBA. These are 15 players that I think are superstars in the NBA. Le- this is not in order, by the way. LeBron, KD, Steph, Harden, Giannis, Jokic, Luka, Kawhi, that's eight. Embiid, Dame, Tatum, Kyrie, AD, Booker, and Mitchell, and Trey.
2: Okay. I got questions on two. Giannis and Kyrie. Based off your definition, I'm just going off your definition. You said be the best player. Giannis is a superstar. But you just said a couple weeks ago, Giannis can't be the best player on the championship team.
0: But he can take them there.
2: Okay. So Giannis, plug him out. Kyrie. Kyrie's a tricky one because we know Kyrie can—
0: I said that mostly about Giannis because of how Budenholzer plays him. Okay, so but in a different situation, he would be much different. I think he'd be way fair. Better.
2: Fair point. Now the
1: Kyrie thing: Are we calling Kyrie a superstar? If you're calling Harden a superstar, in my opinion, you have to call Kyrie a superstar because Kyrie, Kyrie way can't do what Harden. Kyrie's past. had success in the playoffs where he could. He's shown. No, that we're talking about as a number one. No, I. He Me, would, Kyrie has never had success as number one. He's never been the best player on his squad. Did that? He was the best player in Boston, and but he was hurt that year. And then the year after, they lost him Giannis. That's true. They got smoked. by That's Giannis. true. But the the Bucks were better than them. I think the Bucks were better. Than, it's it still, was close. It was still a young Tatum, still a young Brown. It was close though. What
2: they could have won was that was the series.
1: series. Wasn't, wasn't it four two? No, no, 4-1. now the Bucks were better than them. That's what I'm saying. Wait, no, but I'm saying Tatum Boston had a
0: horrible series too.
1: But I'm saying Boston could have won that series. <laughs> Five. You go down. It's four one series
0: because
2: that's the same team that was the one seed the year before. Who the Celtics or you're saying yeah. Milwaukee? So the
1: Celtics weren't the one seed. Yes, they were. If they weren't one, they were two. Milwaukee was eight that year, the year was, before. is that Was that 2019? The, the years. No, I'm pretty sure that's 2019, 2019. because 2018, Kyrie Bucks went out. shot up That's the one. when LeBron and played. Boston yep. was like,
2: they had to be four at that point. But mm-hmm.
0: man, like Paul George is the 27th leading scorer in the NBA. Jimmy Butler is 33rd. I don't think I can call Jimmy a superstar. I really don't think. so. If you're so. calling
2: Kyrie a superstar, I'm calling Paul George and Jimmy a superstar. That's just how I. View I it. probably
0: would. Com- I probably would take Kyrie out.
1: I was really. I, I probably would take to. Kyrie out. Yeah. I feel more comfortable calling Kyrie a superstar over Jimmy and who's the other name you said? Paul George. They're both. I Correct. think are better superstars than Kyrie. Just in my opinion, I don't
0: it's proven more as the number one option. Well, Paul George. Yeah, actually, yeah, he has. He has. I don't
2: Easily, know. I think. Like, if we're talking about number one guys, like lead a team. To the playoffs and to the to the finals, even the conference finals. I don't think Kyrie can do that. I don't think he's just that type of guy. I think he's better suited as a number two or somebody's wingman. Like he's one of the best number twos in it's the just NBA. The fact
1: that Kyrie can average over twenty five points every single season—that's what. But so can Bradley Beal. And you don't think Bradley Beal's a superstar? No, I think mm. he's an all star. I think mm. he's a high level all star. I just think that his team's bad too. But I, but that's Kyrie's team's not bad. Oh, I agree. But Kyrie's
2: had success in the playoffs. With LeBron, mm-hmm. and, like, I, that's why I, th- I think fair. he's a he is a he is one of the best number twos in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But I think if we're talking number one guy, like unless we break up superstars like a tier one, tier two, we're just talking
1: superstar flat. I don't think we can say Kyrie's a superstar. I will put you didn't. I don't even think you said Tatum. I did say Tatum. Oh, you did. That's okay. hard because people talk about Kyrie like he's the most skilled player in the NBA. So he's think, very skilled. So There's he, nothing. Obviously, we had this discussion before. We think Steph's the most skilled player in the NBA, but. You can be top two, top three most skilled player in the NBA. I think, I think be a being superstar. a superstar comes
2: from leadership. Like it, it comes from your intangibles. I, I think you can have talent. A lot of players in the NBA have talent, but I think being a superstar is having that will to lead your team. Has you know,
1: Harden showed that
0: he could lead his team? Yes, he's done it multiple times, multiple times.
1: But he's, WCF but he's failed. He has failed, but it's the fact of getting there. And Loki, I could say that twenty was it twenty eighteen year that uh, he choked. I could say that Chris Paul was the leader of that team.
0: I mean, being a leader and a superstar is different. You know, like, Chris Paul is a leader of the Suns. He's not the best player, though. Correct. Correct. Devin Booker is the best player. And Devin Booker is... I would say the star superstar of the team, mm-hmm. Chris Paul, just puts it all together, mm-hmm. and that's what he's been throughout and his career. And even without
2: Chris Paul, Harden has made a WCF.
0: Yeah, Harden uh, made the WCF with Dwight Howard mm-hmm. when he was on a decline. Mm-hmm. He made eight straight playoffs in the Western Conference with the Rockets.
2: Even with Kyrie with Boston, when it was with uh, Brooklyn, when it was him, Dinwiddie, and Lavert, they were under five hundred team when Kyrie was playing. It wasn't until Kyrie went down, then it got worse. But they weren't that good when he was just. It was just him and the role players, and it was only just KD out. That's so why I don't I don't really I can't really call him a superstar.
1: Kyrie Kyrie showed out when he was playing. No, he, he was, was no him
2: individually is a monster. But superstar is not just about how individually great you are. It's about what can you do for your so team. I,
0: I may change my list a little bit. These are the super these are the players that I think are currently superstars right. in the NBA. LeBron, KD, Steph, Harden, Giannis, Jokic, Luka, Kawhi, Embiid, Dame, Tatum, A. D. Booker, Mitchell. And I think on the outside looking in is Jimmy Butler, right. Paul George,
1: and Kyrie. Kyrie. And not Zion? Not yet?
0: Zion, he's. I, I want to see him in the playoffs first before I make adjustments no, on agree, Zion. Agree. But he's I a, see him he's
1: in the a rising first. star, first. I though. I agree.
0: But these are players that are in the playoffs currently. So if I didn't mention, mention a player, it's because they're not in the playoffs right now. Makes sense. Like Bradley Beal, Zion. They're not in the playoffs right now, or didn't make it. Jimmy Butler as well. I would have him just on the outside yeah. looking in, even though he did lead Miami. But you know, one year later, we kind of, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, kind it's, of, it, getting eliminated in the first round. One year later, kind of stained his resume. Especially from in, that the,
2: in the way run. it happens. Like the way they got destroyed. Yeah. That, like it looked like and even the way when, he played. Even with Tatum, you know, he lost, but he played phenomenal. Oh, he got a game out so, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He played phenomenal. He he was dueling Katie back and forth. So that's why we can keep him in the conversation. But with Butler, you know, he played like garbage.
0: So let's talk about this uh hawks game for a little bit. Game one, it happened yesterday. Game two is tomorrow. I mean, I was surprised, and obviously people people in the comments, it was our most viewed segment of past of the past episode. A lot of Atlanta Hawks fans saw the video, and uh, they were quick to tell us that Very. we it didn't age well or takes it not age well. No shame. You know, I thought the Bucks could beat them in four. I still think the Bucks are a—Mike a, Budenhoser is such a bad coach. I Very. mean, his adjustments are so bad, and Nate, Nate McMillan has shown to be a far superior coach, but this, is, this was really the Trey Young game. I mean, 48 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds, almost had a triple-double— we talked about the list of accomplishments that he had. And for me, it was a couple things. I mean, the Bucks playing drop coverage with Brooke Lopez. That was just I mean, Trey Young was doing anything he wanted off the pick and roll, whether it be a floater, mid-range pull-up, same thing a lob, a lob to Clink Capella or John Collins. I mean, they were abusing they were abusing Brooke Lopez in a drop coverage. They played better once they went small and started switching everything. And I don't know what's taking Budenholzer so long to realize that that's his best lineup. Against Brooklyn, it was his best Mm -hmm. lineup. It almost—Brooklyn could have beat them in overtime because Budenholzer failed to adjust. Brooke Lopez had a nice block down the stretch of that game in Game 7, but, I mean, Brooke Lopez, I think in this series with Trey Young being so great at the pick and roll, is a liability. And my advice to any point guard that plays basketball right now would be master the pick and roll. Because— I don't think Trey Young is the best isolation scorer, but he's just so good at reading defenses. If they use one screener, that's enough. But sometimes they use two screeners. They they use double picks, yep. and now Trey Young gets any single matchup that he mm, wants. You see where he and, gets and, it and, from? And you know, Trey Young. It's a fact. People have talked about him being Steve Nash. He's a mixture of Nash and Curry, or Nash and Dame. Personally, for me, I see shades of Trey Young. I see shades of those players. And Trey Young, Nash, Curry. I think Dan. Nash
2: is probably the best one. I think so too. I think that's I really think his so game. too. Like a, just a quicker, more scoring wise, Nash. Okay.
0: Trey Young is just phenomenal, and I don't want to diminish the the Hawks' performance because they were phenomenal in game one. But I do think this was more of a coaching thing on the Bucks, <laughs> where they're not adjusting, they're not switching everything, which we've seen to be very effective. And Drew Holiday. He, you know, Trey Young did his thing on him. But to be fair, it wasn't like it was Trey and Drew on an island. It was screens, Holiday getting switched off for Trey, him getting caught under a screen, going over, having to recover. It wasn't like a one on one matchup. But, you know, shout out to the Hawks because they were amazing. And we'll see where this series goes. I don't know where this series is going to go, but I'm done counting out the Hawks. I still have the Bucks winning this series. But if the Hawks do win, I won't be surprised because I think they've been phenomenal.
2: So, you know, I've been on the Hawks. I had the Hawks making the playoffs. I had the Hawks beating the Knicks. Didn't have the Hawks beating Philly. I think what they're doing right now is phenomenal. I think they're exceeding expectations, whether this is a... A fluke year or not, still I love it. Um, it's great for the NBA. Trey Young is showing out. He's must see basketball. And like we just said, I think he's like a combination I think he's more Steve Nash than anybody else. He's just a modern day Steve Nash. I think this is probably what would, would be Steve Nash's Trey Young. But I think like you said, this was really a lot on Coach Bud. And I think it's it's really sad how him if the Bucks win, he'll keep his job. And if the Bucks go to the finals and win the chip, I don't think Coach Budenholz will get fired. I think he'll be there for a long time. And it's sad because he's really shown the lack of adjustments in his coaching. And we saw it in the Brooklyn series. Like you said, the Lopez drop coverage. He was doing that against KD. He was letting that happen against KD. He was just abusing that with the pull-up elbow. I think this game, though, I don't think the Bucks played necessarily bad from a team standpoint. Not. I think they did everything they really needed to do. And like you said, their small ball lineup is the best lineup that they had. I think Giannis played great. Down the stretch, he did fold a little bit. But for the most part, I don't think this game is really on the Bucks. I think Trey Young just caught fire. And and Coach Budenhoser didn't adjust. Nobody stepped up. And that's like game two, I feel like it now is a must win because you can't go down 0-2 and you're at home. And now Atlanta is a team that if they catch fire, that is a hard team to beat. You know, this is an offensive machine of a team. So I think going forward, Coach Budenhoser has to – I don't – It's it's – it's really easy adjustments. He's seen it happen, so I don't know what's he waiting for, like Joel said. But I still have, I'm still going to stand on Bucks in five. Really? Yeah, I think Bucks win four straight. I hope okay. they win four straight because I want to see the Bucks in the finals.
0: Really? Hey. Chris Middleton also had a horrible game. You don't want
2: to see the Hawks in the
1: finals. I feel like that'd be way I, I more exciting. I feel like exciting. if Cam
2: Reddish plays a minute, then I'll go start saying that. But until he uh-huh. plays, I'm not saying nothing. Okay. Yeah.
1: Listen on the last podcast, I talked about the Hawks a little bit, and I said that no one could stop Trey Young, and I'm going to say it again: there is no one on planet Earth right now that could guard Trey Young. Mm. He had so many moments where he just looked so effortless. He, he looked like he could do anything with the basketball, and he would get open. There was this move on Conanton he had did a quick dribble through his legs, called lean leaning towards the basket, hit him with a step back, real quick, hit splash to three, right, it, just easy money. Then there was another play where they set the pick uh, the pick up top of the key. Drew Holiday goes and bites on the on on the screen. Trey just takes it to his right hand, pulls up for three, hits him with a quick shimmy. It's just he's just feeling himself to a to a, a different type of degree right now that we've only seen a guard like Steph do in the playoffs of, of recent memory. Kyrie Irving too. Uh but when a man is seeing the basket like the Atlantic Ocean, it is just not much you could really do in in situations like this. I'm not trying to overreact to to game one too much because We've seen it in the in the throughout basically this entire NBA playoffs where people overreact to Game One. You got the people like the Clippers, uh, where you know they, they lose against the Mavs, they lose against the Jazz. Everyone counts them out. Everyone, aka myself, and they come back and win. Uh, Phoenix goes down to one. You know, let's not. I, I'm not gonna overreact because I still I still think Milwaukee should be capable of winning this series. But man, this man Trey Young is special special. And then you see guys like John Collins who's emerging right in front of our eyes. Uh he ha- he caught the crazy lob uh from a pass from Trey Young off the backboard. It's it's just so much going right for the Hawks right now and you guys you guys mentioned it all with Boone He refuses to make adjustments. But it, it's and it's in this in a series like this where Trey Young is just so hot, I don't know what you can do to stop him unless you want to just completely say let these other guys beat me, but John Collins has been money all season. Gallin- uh, excuse me, all, all postseason long. Galinari's starting to get it going. Uh, Bogdanovich—that's the only guy right now that's missing out of this equation. And and they're winning in spite of him shooting mediocrely. Hoarder has been has been more than solid for them. This this Hawks team is special. I, I like the Bucks in the long run, but I'm I'm quickly quickly leaning Atlanta. But I'm gonna i not I'm not gonna change my mind too quick. I'm gonna stay Bucks.
0: And yeah, I mean, outside of Collins and Trey Young, nobody on Atlanta played exceptional. Kevin Herter was okay. Bogdanovich had a bad shooting night. So did Gallinari. And I actually saw something on StatMuse that showed that the Atlanta Hawks best lineup is their big lineup with yeah. Clint Capella, yep. John Collins, and Gallinari. They're like a plus twenty three and they outscore opponents by like twenty three points when they're on the court, which is elite. That's elite company. Definitely. So Especially in a series like this, they need to play that way because Giannis is who he is, so they need bodies to build that wall. But this is going to be a close series. You know, when the Bucks were down 0-2 against the Nets, everybody ruled them out, and Game 1s, we tend to overreact to them. Every fan does after a Game 1 victory, people overreact. and I mean, in this, in this playoffs alone, what teams have advanced that game one Game 1? For example, the Dallas Mavericks didn't advance.
2: Utah
1: didn't.
0: Utah didn't advance. The Nets
2: didn't advance. Only
1: Phoenix advanced. Phoenix might be one of the only ones. Phoenix and Atlanta, Atlanta, yeah. Atlanta also. Milwaukee advanced. swept. Um, So it's like 50-50 yeah. right now. Yeah.
0: It's like 50-50 right now. So we should. nobody should be overreacting to game one. Obviously, it's a good win. If you're a Hawks fan, you should be ecstatic that the Hawks are up 1-0 because it was an upset. We all thought the Bucks would win, but... Let's see how this series pans out and let's wait to cast judgment. But I think I'm very excited for game three and how that pans out. And I hope Trey.
1: Game two? Game two. Yep. Game it. two. Game yeah. two. Yes.
0: I was thinking about the Suns in a, in a <laughs> Clippers Tonight. game. But yeah, you know, I hope Trey Young does make the finals though. Because for one, I don't want to see Giannis in the finals. I'm screaming. And two, <laughs> I would love to see Trey Young versus Devin Booker. We had a segment earlier in, in these playoffs about. Who say it? Don't spray. <laughs> I
1: I just sneeze all over the place. <laughs> no, 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 I'm playing. I didn't oh. think you sneeze. I think
0: oh. I just saw my. I just I just saw my saliva. Oh, doing. really? Yeah. <laughs> all good, bro. No, but yeah, we had a segment earlier in the season that uh, I wasn't earlier even here earlier in the playoffs. Yeah, it was JC and Ronnie. They were here. It was talking about who's more impactful, Devin Booker or Trey Young, and. Now we we might see that be a finals match, which which would be crazy. That'd be it would be so good. I think it would
1: be yeah. Um, I really wanted that Utah Phoenix series. Me too. I Just wanted Donovan to. versus Booker right before Welp, the finals. Yeah, You didn't get it. I'm not too. I mean, I know I mean, you're we, not too upset, but I mean, I wanted I wanted LA. A healthy Utah versus a healthy Phoenix. That that series would have been. We a wanted movie. A job. You wanted to play us? Yeah. I I wanted to play all. Yeah, we, we couldn't wanted, get there. We wanted a job bad. Yeah, we it, folded. Folded.
2: <laughs> so wait who you
1: guys got winning game two
0: i have the bucks tying it at 1-1-1-1 one, 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 one. yep they're gonna tie it 1-1 one, one. i'm
1: gonna go hawks man i feel like he's a believer i think yeah. trey, trey has just been too all world for me right now i love watching him play he's a poor man steph curry and i mean that with such respect Bro, he's God. guy listen you're right because i at, think at, he's more he's at trey young's age
0: he's better than steph I agree. And he was not correct, age. and he's uh, more of,
1: he's more of a ball, uh, playmaker than Steph is. It's just by far and away Steph's the better shooter. We're playing the we're playing the age card, but is that 20, not true? But at twenty two, making a Western uh, Eastern Conference Finals, Steph just got out of college at twenty two.
0: Was Steph averaging twenty nine and ten at twenty one years old?
1: He was in college. Okay, oh, he, so that was he was his rookie year. So he wasn't. He oh, was his rookie year. He, he was wasn't. injured early into his career too. So it's like, obviously, Steph was a late bloomer, and he's one of the rarities of the NBA.
0: He was, uh, I don't know if he was a late bloomer.
1: He became a star at 25, In 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 2014, when was he drafted? 2009. 2009. It took him five years to become Steph Curry. I feel like that's what it takes players normally. Like, Devin Booker right now is, we just see him. I can't agree with that, because Devin Booker was an elite scorer young. He was in that elite company with LeBron, KD. Yeah, but we're not KD. putting him in
0: this elite company until now.
1: Uh, well, because obviously he wasn't winning before then.
0: Yeah, the same thing with Steph. Steph was always good. He just was, his ankle injuries, the Golden State wasn't too good. But, you know, I think players usually peak around. I mean, they usually start showing flashes around well,
2: that But Trey
1: time. and Luka are bugging at 21 years old. That's, yeah. that's, that's crazy. It's like literally we've only seen that from KD. Well, how many on, guys you know get keys that early? Not Giannis, excuse me. Yeah, that's I mean, true. And the NBA back true. then,
0: older guys didn't get the keys. Curry had to share the backcourt with Monte Ellis. Arden
1: had to wait, you know, for his yeah, imagine getting benched from Monte Ellis. Like Curry had a rough go Who got benched from Monte Ellis? Curry or like rookie season. Nah, they was a nah, yeah, oh, the <laughs> He's a little guy. Yeah, Curry averaged fourteen his third year in the league, but then the year. His fourth year, he he this is where he turned up, twenty two point nine. Mark Jackson. And he does not get not nearly enough credit for building that Golden State roster, but that's a different conversation.
0: That's because uh, I think uh,
1: did he have like a racist comment? Or something? No,
0: he had a he had a homophobic comment. Uh, that's yeah.
1: why they fired
2: him.
0: I think that's why he's blackballed. They say there's a theory that Mark he's a Jackson, great analyst. Uh, I was going to say anyways.
1: if he really was getting blackballed, he wouldn't be an uh, an, an analyst. Yeah, correct. Eh, uh, nah, eh. not necessarily. You don't think I so. think he's good at that though. I think he, he could just he get there. blackballed he's from
0: amazing. getting a job in the NBA, uh-huh. but. Uh, to be an analyst, I think because that's TNT. You know, mm-hmm. that's not and no, that's ESPN. I don't know if he does TNT. That's ESPN. That's not the NBA. But I, he got fired from Go to State. I think this is a theory. I'm not sure how much truth there is to it, but he said a homophobic comment. And Bob Myers, I think his son is gay.
2: Oh, okay. so, oh wow! Yeah, okay. he's done.
0: Yeah, so because of that, I think they—they—they <laughs> yeah, they, they, they cut off our Jackson. Flick.
2: Yeah, he was out of there after that one. Fair enough. But
0: that—that's what I've heard. That's what I've read around with uh, the mm. internet, the—the
2: the best tool on earth. <laughs> yeah, remember when he was like to LeBron's uh, mom? With all due respect. No, he was talking about
1: Savannah. I mean, he was talking about Savannah. He was like, with, with all due respect, respect I, I hit it out the, out the park. park. That's, you know, that's you know, a top five moment. And you know, and you know what's hilarious about that?
0: It came out super wrong, but he wasn't talking about what you think he's talking what about. What was he talking about? He was talking about because Savannah, I think she was an all she was an all state or all world pitcher ah uh. softball. And Mark Jackson said I'd hit it out the park, so he would hit a home run on her pitch.
1: Fail out, <laughs> yeah, I'm not that's that. cap. He was definitely talking about what we thought <laughs> he, said, he was talking about. He said,
0: with all due respect,
1: exactly. Like, like there's like, no on, other bro. thing. he not could Not because be he said about. she's
0: all world, but with all due respect, <laughs> I'd hit it out the <laughs> park. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Still> <laughs>
0: sounds crazy, Either that way, it
1: comes crazy. Out. Yeah, he's, he's a goon for that that was tough uh. he's a goon mark jackson's
0: favorite line is mama there goes that man that's nah, it.
1: i think his
2: favorite
0: line is uh his favorite line is um all he does is win he spells win okay <laughs> that's what he does he said that about pj tucker he said pj tucker man this guy spells win I and like he, Mark. I thought. I thought. I do too. I thought when he said that about PJ Tucker, it was a one of a kind line. But then I heard him say it about Mikael Bridges. <laughs> heard him say it about Jay Crowder. Uh-huh. Like every guy that that plays, Mark Jackson, the glue, is
2: like, the glue guy.
0: Yeah, he's like When Well, he he spells win. Mm. He spells win. I think that's one of his favorite lines too.
1: And all those guys combined have zero championships. Mm. That's funny.
0: One of them are going to get one this year.
2: That's a
1: fact. Tucker. That's Craig, a fact. Or what if Either of them get it. Or that's still a chance.
0: Hawk Spacey, Let's do it. <laughs> Two teams hired their new head coach. The Indiana Pacers hired Rick Carlisle today, and the Boston Celtics hired Ime Adoka today. So we're more familiar with Rick Carlisle, obviously, because he's a much a much more of a household name. But what do you guys think about both of these coaching hires? <coughs> oh,
2: I wasn't ready to go first.
1: You always go first, bro. Come Sorry,
2: um, Rick. Carlisle to Indiana. I like that one. I think what basically what we've seen from Indiana is they're bringing back, they're bringing everybody back. You know, I think they have a good team. Malcolm Brogdon, T.J. Warren, Karis Levert's now there. Miles Turner and uh, Carla was talking about Miles Turner. He loves his game. He's probably going to be the centerpiece for them for a long time. So it's going to be tricky what they do this offseason because they've been trying to trade Miles Turner for a while now. But which I don't understand. I like it because Indiana needed some offense. You know, okay. Rick Carlisle is an offensive minded coach. And That's true. Indiana needed some funk, some more flair to their offense. I feel like it's too boring. It's too plain. It's it's not effective in the NBA. So I think getting Rick Carlisle is going to help that scheme a lot. And not to mention, you know, he can help a lot of those players playing, you know, coaching Luka, coaching, coaching Dirk. So I think that will help them in the process. He knows how to win. He's a champion. He's been a champion before. And I think now it's time for Indiana to, you know, there's no excuses. You know, they ran Nick, Nate McMillan out the building. You see who he's doing right now. He's in the ECF. They, Nate the other guy Nate, uh, Yeah, he wasn't that good he's out of there so now I think this team this team right now Indiana if we look at this team on paper this is a good team a good enough team to make the playoffs in the East now you have a I, we can. We probably can all assume you have a Hall of Fame coach right now and I think you you should start looking in the mirror and looking at yourselves and thinking like alright it's time to step up we have Rick we have an offensive minded coach let's make something happen we have a couple guys who are all star caliber players we have a couple role players we have a good enough team where we can make a run so I like Rick Carlisle for this situation right here
0: this is actually Rick Carlisle's second tenure with the Indiana Pacers he was their coach at first in the mid 2000's and Fun fact, his first year in in Indiana, they won 61 games. Is that the Jermaine With, O'Neal year? Yes, Ron Artest, old Reggie Miller. He was
2: like third in MVP voting. Al Harrington Ooh, was there Reggie as well. Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine,
1: wow. Yes.
0: But that he, his first year as an Indiana Pacers head coach, they won 61 games, which is the most they've ever won in franchise history. They lost in the Eastern Conference Finals to so the Detroit Pistons, and that Pistons team won the finals that year. But then the next three seasons, they kept dropping down. To eventually the point to to the point where Rick Carlisle was let go from Indiana, and now he's back. And I think Jermaine O'Neal he was a great player, but I don't think he was a superstar. Nah. And you good, look at all You look at their team at the time: Ron Artest, Al Harrington, Jermaine O'Neal, Reggie Miller, Reggie Miller. Those are guys who were really good, but they don't they didn't have a superstar player. You look at this Indiana team right now; it's it's a bunch of the same. Brogdon, all star caliber. LeVert went healthy is in the same tier as Chris Middleton, in my opinion. Then you look at TJ Warren, high praise. Sabonis, oh, high praise. then Miles Turner, who's an elite defender. And Rick Carlisle has actually praised Miles Turner in the past before. So they have a lot of great players, you know, that are all-star caliber players. Rick Carlisle could bring the most out of these guys. And they also have the 13th pick in the draft as well, In Fun fact, the last time they drafted around that area. Oh George. They drafted Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Granger, Miles Turner as well. They usually they usually hit on the draft picks if they draft around that 13 area, the teams.
1: What do you think they need though? I feel like I'm looking at their projected five right now. Malcolm Brogdon, Karis Levert, TJ Warren, who was hurt basically all year. Sabonis, Miles Turner. That's a firm five. Then they got Lamb Holiday. Uh, uh, on go the bench go you got bench. tj mcconnell doug mcdermott They're justin free agents tj and doug yeah. i feel like i, I feel like doug might come back doug played relatively well for them so did tj mcconnell truthfully one of the holidays is bound to come back but other than that it's a bunch of role players uh but i do i do like the hiring obviously he comes with a lot of experience i feel like the player who's going to benefit the most from this is sabonis uh i feel like sabonis he he's gonna Rick Carlisle is gonna instill a lot of the things that he instilled in Dirk and obviously then Dirk had more of an outside game than Sabonis does but Sabonis' playmaking ability is what I feel like Rick Carlisle is gonna utilize the most in this offense Malcolm Brogdon's obviously gonna get a huge role but Karis LeVert like you mentioned Karis LeVert when we saw him in in his brief time this season with the Pacers he was lights out shooting uh, he averaged over 20 uh when he was playing obviously it was garbage minutes because it their season was pretty much done at that time, but they had no Miles Turner. They had no T.J. Warren. He was doing his thing, but you get a healthy five with Rick Carlisle bringing his culture to this team. I like I like the direction that these this team's going. You said Karis LeVert is on the same level as Middleton. Yeah, that was. That I was, think he
0: is. Why? Why? Why is he not? I don't Karis LeVert good. went healthy in the stretches that he's shown. He's on the same level as Chris Middleton.
2: But those are short spurts. Correct. You know? Those aren't like long stretches. That's what I'm sorry. There's players in the
1: NBA that can have a long, like, sh- a short stretch. Do you think stretcher. Levert could be a firm too?
0: Absolutely. Mm. Healthy, absolutely. Do you think he- I think he's a better scorer than Chris Middleton. I think Chris Middleton's a better defender. He has a better all-around game. A better shooter too. But I think Kersler's a better scorer and a better ball handler. You give him the ball, something's going to happen. And I think he steps up in big moments. Chris Middleton, to this point in the playoffs, really has not shown much outside of this playoff run right now. Okay, Karis LeVert in the playoffs has been really good. When you well, watch, granted, it, so
1: what is five games? I was going to say, what is? I mean,
0: yeah, but you still—that's still a play—that's still a playoff series, and you've been good. That's true I, against five, Philly with DLo. Games, the, the LeVert sam- was the only one who really showed up.
1: The sample size for me is not enough. Personally, I feel like I can agree with you. Chris Middleton hasn't really shown up up until this playoff run, but. In the regular season, Middleton had been an all-star for twice, the right? last two. I was going to say the last two seasons. Last year, he 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 won them a game against Miami where they were about to get swept. Middleton put the Bucks on on his back and won him a game. So I have to put some respect on his name for that too. And then what he what he did against the Nets that game seven, clutch bucket, uh to put them up to, which ended up being the bucket to to win the series for them. Uh it's just it's a bold thing to say the that thing Levert's when, up. Levert is health. You know, he hasn't been healthy enough true. for us
2: to make a, for us to say, all right, we can, we know he's going to do this for a full season. You know, he's always been hurt, whether it be ankle injuries, leg injuries or something in yeah, his body. Freak lung
1: injury. Yeah, so it's. Karis within-
0: Levert put the team on his back against Philly when they, he beat them, he beat them in the playoffs. Karis Levert for that series averaged 21, four and three and shot Forty nine percent from the field and forty six percent from three. Mm. And that was the Philly team that went to the that was
2: to play Toronto, a Kawhi right?
0: buzzer beater away from going to the conference finals, and they could have went to the finals if they would have beat Milwaukee that year. But you know, that Philly team was a great team and Karis yeah, Avert agree. showed out. So I think Karis Avert, when healthy, has shown he is on the same level as Chris Middleton. How many points did he average that series? Twenty one. Twenty one.
1: So Middleton's career high in the playoffs was twenty four point seven. His second best is 22. Who he, play? he pl- What do you mean? Who, like, who did he play in that, that series? Yeah. That's a great question. I'm just looking at his stats overall. I mean, oh. the thing
0: with Karras, though, is it's, it's always been about opportunity. Yeah. If you put Karras and you swap him out with Chris Middleton and Karras stays healthy. Availability he can, is the he, best thing. Yeah, exactly. But he can drop 20 to 24 a game easily. Karras Avert is that type of player.
1: And like you mentioned, I just feel like Chris Middleton just does more for a squad on top of just offense. So I feel like that's another reason why I lean Chris. But I, I understand. Listen, Levert's no scrub. I'm not saying he, he's bad by any means. I just feel like to to put him on Chris Middleton's level right now, especially when we're seeing Chris Middleton really take form. I mean,
0: what's what's uh, Middleton's level? I
1: Bottom mean, tier all-star.
0: Chris, Chris Middleton is a 20-point-per-game scorer. Karras, when healthy, as a 20-point-per-game scorer. Chris Middleton has been that guy that, Every year is a borderline all star, but you wouldn't mind if he doesn't make it. Well, that's, what, your that, that's what Karras when healthy other, is really, that type of player out of
1: Milwaukee. Other than Giannis, do you really care about anyone else? If you don't watch Milwaukee basketball, not really. I'm not about to answer that question because Giannis is what catches your attention.
0: It's not that; it's that you know Chris Middleton is just a borderline all star. I think what it I is, I think he's on, the, he's on, he's like Tobias Harris in that of, same. I think territory. what it think is of
1: the guys that got snubbed by, him, I don't mean to interrupt. No, you, I just think it, what it is is just Middleton's available. Hundred percent, but you think it, about the consistent. guys that he made it over last season. He he made the All Star game over over Devin Booker, made the All Star game over the uh, Aaron Fox, over Beal, over Beal. Your name of West guys. Com- well, he's Middleton's in the East. I apologize. You're hundred percent right, but he made it over Beal. That's, that's shouldn't have
0: made it over Beal. Beal is better last and, year. And did, yeah. did Jimmy not make, this past yeah, season? Yeah, sorry, last sorry, did
1: Jimmy make the All Star game this season? He 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 made it, but he was hurt. Okay. He did make it and he gave his spot up, didn't mm-hmm. he? Because Bam didn't go into the into the all star yes. game. You're hundred percent right. I just completely I mean, got it. Chris
0: Middleton is that borderline all star guy. He's in the Tobias Harris range for me. Like that's mm. where he's at. And okay. I, I don't going. I don't
1: think I think I would take Chris Middleton over Tobias. I mean, they're the same tier though. those. They're, are number two guys. They're both. They're, defense they're, both and Chris Middleton's. they're
0: they're both guys that you don't want to give a max contract
1: to. Oh. I would give Middleton like, the way Middleton like you're talking bad on Middleton, like this isn't the best he's ever played.
0: I mean, he's playing phenomenal, but this is like you said; it, it is the best he's ever played, th- and it's taken him four to five seasons to be consistent in the playoffs. And even then, but didn't you say away he's bloomers, not
1: good? Like four or five years is usually normal. This four, not twenty nine. Yeah, he he's,
0: he's been, been in the league for a while. Okay, and plus, away he's not good. So you can count him being being there at home games. Well, not yesterday, but on the road, he's not good in mm-hmm. the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And in this, in this this season, in this playoffs. He's shown that as well. So, you, you can only count on him fifty percent of the playoff games. I mean, Middleton is good, but he's one of those guys that you don't want to give a max contract to. You don't want them to be your number one option. They're good as number two. I agree with you. They're there. like, do you want he, LeVert to he, be a number one? He's not a number one, but he can be a better number one than Middleton because
1: he he's an he's an electric scorer. Listen, I saw Middleton in the playoffs win a game against a team that went to the finals. He put up 30-plus against an elite, at that time, elite Miami defense by himself. So it's not like I'm going to say he can't be because I saw it in the playoffs when it mattered most.
0: I mean, that to be fair, that Bucks roster got upset. They were not supposed to get beat like oh, that. I agree. They and Giannis, got upset.
1: Giannis was banged up, too, and you, they didn't have 100%.
0: I mean, they got upset. That's just the bottom line of For it. For sure. But I'm just but, saying, but
1: I, I've seen Chris Middleton do it.
0: I mean, Chris Middleton, I'm not saying he hasn't done it, but mm-hmm. I just don't think Chris Middleton—he's— a number two, but he's a low-level number two. Mm. I mean, when, when Milwaukee loses, we look at him, and we're like, wow, he went 6-for-23. Oh, I agree with you. Like, that's what we but look at. But up until
1: this season, you're right. 100%, I agree with that. But you're. it's just the fact that he's playing well now, and this just so happens to be said. It's just like, we got to give him his respect while he's actually finally performing. No, I'm
0: giving him his respect, no doubt about it. I think he's a great player. Mm-hmm. But I also think that... He's a low-level two, and that's exactly what I think Karras is. Like, he's a low-level two, probably a three. Chris Middleton, if, like, he's on a championship favorite, he is a third option. He's not the number two option.
1: But Milwaukee's a championship favorite,
2: and he's a I number two. I would think right now Phoenix is the favorite. Phoenix actually just opened up as being the favorites. Okay. But before Milwaukee lost, they were the favorites.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, and especially when you look at Middleton But that's just because of how up.
2: dominant Giannis is, realistically. Of course. I mean, that's, not that's because of, without question. Yeah.
0: I mean, when when the Bucks lose, we point to Middleton. He's he's the guy. He, when we when the, the Bucks lose, we very rarely say, "Man, Giannis shot poorly." We uh, say, "It's Middleton. Mm-hmm. It's Middleton." Mm-hmm. Even Holiday yesterday, he showed up.
1: He had thirty. Uh, Holiday had an amazing game last night.
0: So it's most of the time it is Middleton. But to move on, the Celtics hired Eme Adoka as their new head coach, and there's not much that I know about this guy. You know, I know that he's married to Neil Long. Oh my god. Dad? I know that What? You don't know, know who Nia Long is?
1: Look it up She's an Missed actress uh, never Nia seen Friday? Long? Nia Long No I haven't I'm on culture for that Well you're not yeah, black you, Now
0: nah, he is on culture for that you think so? I'm not black I've watched Friday
2: That is true and You hang around a lot of black guys
1: yeah, listen, No, You're sick It's inexcusable
2: Man, You talk about me
1: with Twix Oh I know who this is I know who this is Of course she, yeah. she, He's married to her? Yes Oh, she is bad. You don't guys. we never watched Friday? Uh, I just haven't seen it start to finish.
2: Go home and watch t- all three of them. All right, bet. No, Tuesday, Tuesday, I'll drop the review. Matter of fact, get high and then do it. <laughs> all yeah. right, bro. Bet.
0: But, okay, e Doka, <laughs> I know that he's married to Nia Long. I know that he used to play in the NBA. And I also know that he used to be one of the worst-rated players in 2K. Really? That's, oh, you yeah. actually you found that out? I didn't find that out. I just remember as a kid... He's like a Looking through this rosters guy. and he used to he used to always be the bottom yeah. tier in the NBA in terms of ratings. But obviously that's not a reflection of how good of a head coach he's going to be. He has seven years as an assistant coach. One on the Nets this past season. One on Philly with Brett Brown. And five years under Greg Popovich. And we look at Greg Popovich. He was
2: seven under Pop. Five. It was only five? Yeah. I thought it was seven. Five. Because right.
0: I think he has seven years as an assistant coach.
1: So it was five with San Antonio, with the
0: Nets. One with the Nets and one with Philly.
1: Okay, so he just recently was on... Yeah, he was on his
0: coach's app with Steve Nash. Yeah, he was on it. And, I mean, this guy was a long-time Spurs assistant with Greg Popovich. And when you look at his coaching tree, Quinn Snyder, Taylor Jenkins, Monty Williams, Mike Budenholzer, Popovich's assistant coaches turn out to be really good. Becky Hammond could be the next one up as well. Let's hope. I mean... His assistants turn out to be really good coaches. And I think the reason why Stevens hired Udoka is because in 2019 in the USA and Team USA camp, he was an assistant coach under Greg Popovich's coaching staff. And he built a bond and relationship with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart. And the Celtics need a player's coach, a guy who can relate to players, who's played in the league before, and that's Udoka. And everybody in the league only has good things to say about him. His work ethic, his schematics for the game. So, this guy, from what everybody's saying, seems to be a good head coaching candidate.
2: Go ahead, Riff. I'm sorry. I was just looking up uh, Udoka's stats. That's okay. He averaged oh, eight points one time. Really? Yeah, in Portland. He was a small forward. I thought he was like a guard. I thought he was a power forward. He was a power forward in San Antonio. Then he turned into a two guard with the Kings. How many years did he play? Seven. Wow. Well,
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: so. He played for the Knicks, Kings, Spurs. Was he drafted to be Lakers. good
1: or he was just second round? Just might have been the second round pick. Out. Right now.
0: Or undrafted, one of those.
1: And while you look that up, you know, I might as well just give my preview of what I think about it. So, like you mentioned, <laughs> he, he he built – what they wanted to do right here is show that the players have an impact on front office decisions. And I really – I appreciate a decision like that, especially when you have Tatum, JB, Marcus Smart being vocal about wanting this guy to come in – you bring him in, that definitely shows that, you know, this front office listens to their guys, and I appreciate that. Another thing that I feel like he's going to bring to the table is the, a defensive mindset that Boston desperately needed this season. And then they go and they make a, a move to go pick up Al Horford and Moses Brown. So it's showing me that they're really trying to hone in on this, on the on their interior defense. Uh, Al Horford had success with them previously. You still have uh, Brad Stevens that's going to be uh, impactful on this team, of course, and obviously it's Imei Adoka.
0: Ime Adoka, yeah.
1: So, Ime, you have Popovich, who was a big defensive guy. You, you you learn a thing or two from him. He brings that knowledge over to the Celtics. You want, you, well, in my opinion, Jalen Brown's already an all-world defensive player. Marcus Smart, all-world defensive player. If you can get that out of Tatum, even though you want him to be that primary scorer for you, you get Tatum to, to commit to playing uh, both sides of the basketball. You get uh, Al Horford uh, to be the Al Horford that he was on the Celtics uh, a few years ago. I feel like that's what Ime is going to bring mostly to, to the Celtic squad. And especially when you're seeing an Eastern Conference where it's definitely offensive heavy. We're seeing a lot of teams uh, in the Eastern Conference that have players that can just get a bucket from wherever uh, on the court. Uh, you got the Nets that have the three-headed monster. You got Giannis. You got Middleton. You got Drew Holiday, who, who's been giving buckets. Trey Young and this Hawks team has been revamped. You got the Miami Heat that definitely took a hit this season, but even still, they got ball scorers on that squad. Definitely a bunch of shooters. The Knicks are up and coming. It's you, you They need to commit to defense now, especially because they know they have offensive talent. So I feel like that's that's specifically what he's going to bring to this squad. A healthy
2: Boston team is a top three, top four team in the East. They're a Eastern Conference contender. You know, they have their guy in Tatum. They have... Jalen Brown is his wingman. They have Smart, a great defender. They're probably going to bring back Fournier. They, they have guys, now big men, Al Horford, Moses Brown. And I think what was lacking last year was consistency on the defensive end. Udoka was one of the assistant coaches for Greg Popovich. and He focused on the defensive end in San Antonio. So I think that bringing in a guy who's not only a player coach, but a guy who focuses a lot on defense is going to help them. Not to mention bringing in a guy who understands a complicated you know, a, a pass-heavy playbook from Greg Popovich, which which the Boston Celtics needed. They were a little bit too ISO-heavy, relied too much on guys making um guys making shots at the end of the shot clock, doing stuff randomly. So I think bringing that in is going to help them too. And, you know, a player coach is Jason, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. They advocated for this guy. They played with him in 2019 on the FIBA. So they advocated for him. They won him. So Brad Stevens did what he needed to do to keep his stars happy. He brought in Nudoga. So now with this roster, it's just about getting it together and the consistency. And, you know, last year, well, this past season, we see this team dealt with injuries, COVID, inconsistencies, bad chemistry. So I think now with Udoka, who's a player coach, bringing all that in and, you know, coming from a Spurs organization, like Joel said, who guys who are pretty, they're pretty successful in the NBA. And he's going to bring in that value, his values, his morals from a Spurs culture that dominated the league for 20 years based off their beliefs, I think bringing that into a Boston culture is kind of like the same in a sense. I think that's going to be good for them too.
0: So yeah, I think Imei Adoka was a pretty good hire by the Celtics, obviously. Thank God. He has no head coaching experience, so we're not sure what his schematics are going to be. Mm -hmm. So this is a wait and see. We'll wait and see how good of a coach he is. But
1: for now... you surprised they didn't bring in Rick Carlisle?
0: No, because I think that that's not the direction Brad Stevens wanted to go in. Okay. I thought Rick Carlisle would have been the the side pick. Okay. Like, Boston Celtics fans, if, if they if the notification was Rick Carlisle to the Celtics, Boston fans would have said, I, th- I guess i been a side." Like that, I yeah. thought
2: Chauncey was going to be there.
0: I thought Chauncey would have been a great hire. Mm-hmm. Chauncey's
2: thought, a GM be, right now, though, isn't he? No, he's with the uh, Clippers assistant. It's him, Franks. Was so the Chauncey
1: guy. in a head office role? Lawrence Franks is a good coach, too. Yeah. Well, he was. Oh, and
2: Kenny Atkinson. They, those, those are the three assistants right now.
0: Kenny Atkinson uh, is not bad. He passed. He's a developmental yeah. coach, yeah, he though. He helps
2: with man and canard and stuff. Dude is 26.
0: What are you searching up right now?
1: Whether Chauncey was a GM or not. I thought he was. I think that the Cavs wanted Chauncey to come in. He turned them of, down. A lot of teams went Chauncey the right Pistons now. The Pistons wanted Chauncey to come back. Right now, he
2: uh, Portland is trying to get him in there. A lot of teams, a lot of teams want Chauncey right now.
0: Nah, he worked as an ESPN analyst.
1: I, I, I knew he did tired. that for a while, but oh man, I could have swore that he was a GM somewhere. But obviously, Chauncey I guess used I'm wrong. to
2: clown Paul Pierce because he said dumb stuff. I
1: mean, Paul Pierce said Bro said he so was a many, better. He said he was a better wing shooter than Klay Thompson. Bro said he was better than <laughs> Dwayne Wade.
2: Yeah, he he just says shit, bro. Wait, Wait, what did you just say? Too? He said. I know oh, <laughs> He said that he
1: was A better wing shooter Than he, Clay
2: he, Chauncey was like They asked him a question And Paul Pierce Was thinking about it Like a wing shooter And Chauncey was like Well you're asking Paul He's gonna say himself <laughs> And then Paul went right And said It gotta be me no And then way. Chauncey just said "You just started laughing Yo. Cause it's like Come on Paul like, At
1: what point Are you honest with yourself
2: Like you look at Magic You look at And Burn, don't give they me they me wrong. say pa- Michael's
1: better than me Paul like, was nice was But his,
2: the way Like his analyst Has
1: just dropped his career Tremendously Cause of the dumb stuff He says
0: you know he uh, tweeted today about
1: he opened the smoke shop too. He's lit. Listen, post ESPN. He's been doing his thing, and I'm happy for him. But he
0: tweeted today about how uh, if fans would want a podcast with the truth and the ticket, which is Kevin Garnett, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. and a lot of people replied like, "Yo, you don't want
1: that." <laughs> really? Yeah, they're like, <laughs> "That's surprising." That. I would want
2: the ticket, I but would,
1: yeah, truth nah. nah. The ticket that's 100 percent facts.
2: Yo, yeah, I heard what the, uh, the big ticket said the other day. Nah, I didn't hear about it. what Lamar Odom said. He was talking about no. Go ahead. So he. So Lamar Odom was a uh, was on the eighty five show. You know the eighty five South Show, no? Uncultured swines. Um, Carlos M- Carlos uh, Miller, DC Young Fly. They have a funny comedian show. it D- called D- eighty five what South Show, right? So uh, Lamar Odom said him and the Clippers. You know Darius Miller and them boys. They was dunking on the Timberwolves one game, and they was just bugging on them. <laughs> and KG was like, "These young niggas is making my dick hard." <laughs> <laughs> it was just dunking, like they was just dunking, having high lesson KG just that yelling that. All them? He's, he's, he's a. The moment You heard him just yelling that out loud during uh-huh. the game, and I was just like, "What? Like nah. that was just weird. Like, why KG's would you say something is a like that?" Breed. And did
0: yeah. KG respond to that? Nah,
2: not yet. <laughs> nah. <laughs> that's what the
0: Paul Pierce podcast is for. With him, respond. I don't know. I'm just guessing.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, that was
1: hilarious, bro. Uh, that's Listen, weird, I, though. I, that I, is I, weird. I, I tune into that. Mar said he was that's like us. real intense no, and saying it. That's us, but that's us. I, listen, I mean, KG's a weird when guy. When you're comfortable bro. with what you're saying, like uh, with who you are, like you, you don't that in the middle want. of a court with the men. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah, that was I'm like, with you. What? No, yeah. that's true.
0: When you are comfortable with what, what, could, who you are, you don't really like care how many what times said. have
1: you said some questionable stuff on the show? Like, you know who you are. That's it. Yeah, that's true. That's just, come on, bro. I wouldn't hey.
0: say something like that, though. No, you wouldn't. I'm not that comfortable with who I am. That was
2: wild. That was just wild. Like, he's screaming that intense. like, all right bro like that's that talk, talking talking about mentality.
0: talking about balls we're gonna move to our sponsor we're gonna talk about a sponsor for a little manscape Oh, was this, well that was done well done, that that was well was well this, done. This, this is a this is a It was a great transition but support for the Hot podcast is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming champions of the world manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0, larger than 3, 2, and 1. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, which is 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PICKASIDE at manscaped.com. So imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes your shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I've tried Manscaped before. It's waterproof, so you can shave in the bathroom. You can shave outside. It doesn't matter. It's not going to break down because it is waterproof. It has a safeguard trimmer and skin safe technology, so you don't get hurt while you're cutting down there. And it also has a light, so you know where you're cutting as well. It has a 4000K LED spotlight, and it also allows you to change the blades on it as well this is an excellent device you can sh- you can use this on your face on your body anywhere you want obviously it's designed for below the waist grooming but you can use this in whichever way that you choose so with 20 per- you can get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code pick aside at manscaped.com your balls will thank you <laughs> and just to let you guys know again 20 percent off and free shipping with the code pick aside at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code PICKASIDE and unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. So that was a great segue into that. Uh, that was actually was. Into well that ad and roll. Yeah, shout out, shout out to uh, Riv for bringing no, no, no. Out.
1: Shout out to KG for bringing it up. KG. KG. Shout me out for that.
0: I got to say, because you brought it up. You know, KG. I you guys knew it about it. I had no clue about it. It was that. on
1: Twitter the other day. I can't know. the guy not even on Twitter is telling us. Well, because, you know, I I watch all of that stuff. So when i seen it, I was just like. I'm
2: tuning in now. I'm tuning in. 85 South Shore is actually really funny.
0: The NBA Draft Lottery, now we're going to talk about that right now. We're going to talk about the winners and losers of the NBA Draft Lottery. And instead of just making it all one segment, let's talk about the teams that won first. Obviously, the Detroit Pistons, they won the Draft Lottery because they got the number one pick, which... I think we're all expecting it to be Cade Cunningham. They got one
2: interview, and that's Cade.
0: I'd be surprised if it's anybody else, because Cade Cunningham is a generational talent. But Tony Weaver, the GM, did say that they're going to think about trading the pick as well. They're going to look at every single available option. Obviously, I think that's cap. But what do you think about the Detroit Pistons drafting Cade Cunningham pretty much and getting that number one pick? What do you see for their future? So
2: wait, 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 you're just going through every pick and we're just going to chop it up? Not every nah. pick,
0: just the ones that okay. I think are uh, right. um, the best. All right, well,
2: for starters, congratulations to Detroit. They're getting a generational talent. I think them saying they're going to trade is just just for the noise and the public, you know, for the media to get all excited. I think Cade is their guy, bringing in somebody who, like you said, I've watched him all season. He's generational. He's a winner. He's a guy that brings those intangibles at a young age into an organization. And he showed a lot of improvement this year, you know, Coming into college, he wasn't granted as a shooter. He showed the ability to shoot, the ability to shoot off the dribble, and to be that go-to scorer. So I think getting him to rejump a franchise that's been in need of a star like that, I think that's good for
1: Detroit. Oh no, I love. I, I'm so happy for Detroit, especially because they need something to to put fans in to those seats. For. Exactly. I mean, right now the Pistons have been sorry. You you look at Blake Griffin, who really didn't even give full blown effort to the city of of Detroit when he was there. Hadn't dunked in a year and a half of being there, even though he made an All Star squad with. I think Detroit. he put them on their back one year. One whatever. year he he a hundred percent did. He was an All Star that season. He was really good, but the the year after he basically quit on them. Uh, and then ever since they've just been sorry. You look at their draft uh, their draft boards the last few years. They haven't drafted a player the last four years to average over ten points, which is kind of crazy to think about. And now you you get a guy in Cade Cunningham that is. I, what more could you ask for if you're the Pistons? This is the perfect situation for them, and you just need you need fans in those seats. You you need to give the fans something to root for, especially with a franchise that has a history that the Pistons do. So it it should be it should be very interesting to see what Cade does over in Detroit.
0: The Pistons finally did something worthwhile. Finally had a successful season. Yes, they have been a five hundred team for the past couple of years, but they have been that team that has been stuck in mediocrity. With Stan Van Gundy, they tried to win with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. And that didn't turn out well at all. They were the eighth seed at best. Cade Cunningham is a franchise changing player. He averaged 26 and 4 in college. Shot 44% from the field and 40% from three. He's a six eight point guard. And last year, I mean, not even last year, but to begin the season, if you were to ask me, do the Pistons need a point guard, I would have said no, because they had Killian Hayes. But Killian Hayes had a really bad rookie year for a majority of reasons, but, but but the the fact is he didn't have a good rookie year, and Cade Cunningham is positionless. Now they have a good young core of Cade, Killian, Sadiq Bey, Jeremy Grant, Isaiah Stewart, Frank Jackson is there, who also was really good last year, uh, Diallo.
2: Sakou yeah.
0: I mean, they have some young talent, and people love to laugh at Detroit, and right now I see a lot of jokes on NBA Twitter about how Cade's, Cade Cunningham's career is over before it even started but hmm. listen
1: that's, be, so. that's foul
0: Detroit right now this offseason they're not going to have a lot of cap space but next year they are going to have it because Blake Griffin's contract will finally be off the books and they won't have to pay him anymore and they can sign some guys around Cade and really really make this team they can really fill out this team around Cade a player like Cade you give him talent you're going to be a playoff team that's how I good that's how good I think he's going to be, and I also think Dwayne Casey doesn't get enough credit for being really good at developing young players. Look at Toronto, (coughs) Van Vliet, Siakam, OG, all developed under Dwayne Casey, Jonas Valanciunas, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan was a project coming out of college. He developed into a really fine player. Kyle Lowry revived his career with Toronto. Dwayne Casey is a really good coach, and I can't wait to see what he does with Cade and with the young players on this roster.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, people—I think I think Detroit is in need of a guy like Cade, you know, to restart and re-jump the franchise. And like you said, they got Jeremy Grant, he's still a young, fine piece. He's a really good player. Sadiq Bey, he showed out last year. He was really good. They got guys like Isaiah Stewart who, came, who blew him late. Killing Hayes, you know, he dealt with a lot of injuries last year. I think he still is going to be a really good player. You know, he's still young. He, his IQ is very high. He just has to get it going. You know, so I think they have a lot of young talent. And like you said, getting Blake Griffin contract up next year. This year's free agency isn't, is not weak anyways. So letting your guys develop for another year, then getting ready for that next free agency. Maybe you make a push with those young guys. Guys are going to look at Kate and be like, all right, this is a young guy I maybe want to play for. You get some good, proven Maybe low tier all stars or high caliber players in there, and then you get yourself back in the picture. You know Detroit is in need of that. It's a great city. They need a Detroit has a long history of being a great team, and they need a guy like Kate to definitely fulfill that role.
0: The great thing about free agency classes that have star talent at the top is that a lot of those mid tier guys get forgotten about. Yep, yep. And now it allows teams like Detroit to scoop them up for a lower price. Yep. Free agent classes like what well, we're about to have this offseason with DeMar DeRozan, more. they're going to get overpaid. Lowry's going to get overpaid. All these guys will get overpaid because they're at the top of the class. So it's good that the Pistons are passing on this free agency and they're going to have money next year.
1: Overpaid period. No, for sure. I mean, uh, you guys mentioned it all. I mean, I'm not going to say that the Pistons' time is next year and I'm not saying that you guys are saying that either, obviously. I think this that this is a project for a four or five-year period you get a guy like Cade. Now this is where you guys, where the the Pistons should actually start to to trend towards trying to make the playoffs. Uh, but no, for sure, you guys named uh, Sadiq Bey for sure. Uh, Killian Hayes. We'll see how that that works out. He definitely was injured a good portion of the season. Uh, he he's young, so I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. D- Dumboya, right? Dumbaia. Yes. Dumboya. Dumboya was firm. I just look at this draft history and it and, and makes me kind of sad. They ha- they drafted Spencer Dimwitty, traded him away. Drafted Contavious Cowell pope traded him away. Luke Kennard, they let him walk. Bruce Brown, we see what he's doing over in, in Brooklyn. It's just they haven't caught a break and this is the first time they finally catch one. And they had a home run with this one.
0: Yeah, I think so too. They are very lucky to be drafting Cade Cunningham and the Houston Rockets. A lot of Rockets fans, of course, they wanted Cade. That was the prized possession of this draft lottery. But I think Rockets fans are just happy that their pick is not being surrendered to OKC, which is a huge win. And being the second overall pick, I think it's between Jalen Green or Evan Mobley. I don't think it's, I don't think Jalen Stugs should be in the conversation. You think you think should be in the conversation? I you I'm think,
2: gonna, you think we we spoke about. I'm gonna tell you why I disagree. Houston. Okay, so Houston. I think we can all agree Evan Mobley will fit fine with Christian Wood, so we can all agree.
0: I have a little bit of disagreement about so? that. Yeah, I, do. I
1: I agree too. I
2: I'm with you all. You guys think? Too? I think Christian Wood is able to stretch the floor at the four, and Evan Mobley is a good a good enough guy where he they can run kind of like a four five ten. I
0: don't think on offense it'll be a problem. I think defensively, Defense, okay. Christian it, Wood oh, is going to have to guard the perimeter ah. against. I mean, power forwards now in this NBA. Mm-hmm. They are really small forwards. Okay. And they you have if Christian Wood is gonna have to be guarding the wing, I just think defensively that's gonna cause a lot of problems okay. for him.
2: Okay. I I I'll definitely see what you're talking about. You watched more Christian Wood than me, so you would probably know. So Christian Wood isn't a good defender on the on the wing.
0: No, I mean he's six ten. I don't expect him to. He he's a and also he's a good shot blocker, but since he's skinny in frame, mm-hmm. he does get pushed around. He's not okay. I wouldn't call him a good defender.
1: He has good I, instincts. Think, I think, yes. Okay. I think
0: he's average on defense. Okay. I wouldn't call him a good defender. Good though. rim okay.
1: protector? Yes, I would okay. say that. All right, cool. Not many 6'10 guys can guard the wing, so it's not like you really well, can hold based them.
2: Based on like his him, yeah, it makes
1: sense. Correct.
2: The reason why I say Suggs is because Kevin Porter Jr. is there. Mm-hmm. And we saw him throughout the season for Houston become that lightning scorer that they needed. And with their point guard spot being John Wall's there, I don't think John Wall's obviously the future thing. I think you have, I'm not saying like, you know, Jalen Suggs is the immediate pick, but I'm saying you have to look in Jalen Suggs as a guy who you might pick just because you have a Kevin Porter Jr. there who's still, who's only like a year or two older than Jalen Green. Mm -hmm. So you have a guy there who is a scorer, who is still young, who has a lot of potential. You need to fill that point guard spot because John Wall is not going to be there for long and he's not your future looking forward. So I think Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green Jalen Suggs is w. not interchangeable. I think Jalen Green is going to be the better player. Okay, But I think you have to look better at fit. it. Yeah, I think you have to look at it and look at both guys because you do need a point guard for your future. That's why I'm not too, like, low on Jalen Green going, too. I think for fit-wise, I think that'll be good. But nonetheless, I Suggs. think— Suggs. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, Suggs, I think for fit-wise, you know, I think I think Green is still the second-best player in the draft, no doubt about it. Thank you. No doubt about it, but
1: I think Jalen Suggs getting looked at at number two, I don't think that would be a bad pick for Houston, in my opinion. I don't think it's a bad pick, but it's kind of weird. I I feel similar to how you feel, except opposite. I feel like Kevin Porter Jr. is or could be a playmaker for the Rockets, which is why I would lean Jalen Green mm-hmm. to get more of a scorer on the squad, too. Uh, Kevin Porter showed that he can get a bucket, too, but there were multiple times last season where he had over 10 assists. Yeah. He, he has that ability to pass the ball and. I, why wouldn't go Mobley? Is because, like you mentioned, they have Christian Wood, and I feel like Christian Wood had a breakout year last year. Kelly Olynyk, when he came to the Rockets, he he played. He's gone. He he left already, yeah, or he'll he, be gone. I I I wouldn't be so sure about that. I mean, Kelly Olynyk, when he played with the Rockets, he put a he put up really a really good numbers. Winner
2: though,
0: I think he just wants to get paid,
2: and I think the
1: Rockets I was the Houston to pay him. Who,
2: who do they really have? They're to not pay? paying anybody. Correct. Well, Eric Gordon's still there. I mean, no, they are. They're paying John John Wall, Wall. Gordon. Yeah, they're paying guys. They're paying guys. (laughs) But
0: I I think they could. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I don't want to really talk about that too much.
1: So yeah. So just regardless, I feel like Jalen Green, the fact that he's such an elite offensive talent, he has great athleticism. I feel like that's just what the Rockets need right now. Another scorer. And I feel like Jalen Green is probably the second best scorer in this class. So that's probably why I'd lean Jalen. In
0: 2010, you'd be drooling out the mouth to, to draft Mobley and pair him up with Christian Wood. <laughs> but this is not 2010. We don't, you know, teams don't construct their teams around Twin Towers anymore. The last time a team tried to do it was the Pelicans with DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony
2: Davis. It was good, though.
0: It was good for a stretch. It was awesome. just, but, Boogie of course, hurt. injuries messed yeah, it up. That was a great that time. Sucked.
2: It was a great team. Man. But
0: t- teams don't construct their teams that way with Twin Towers anymore. And Jalen Green is, he's a 10, man. He's a 10. He's, like, he's
1: great. He's, what do you mean? 10 out of 10. Oh. Like he's a 10, like, man. 10? Like I think he can so be confused.
0: I think he can be the best scorer in this class. And to me, he reminds me a lot of Bradley Beal. And what I like him most, the reason why I like him more than Mobley and Suggs is because he played better competition. Mm. He averaged 18 points per game, shot 46% from the field and 36% from three against NBA level competition. Granted, it was low-level NBA, NBA competition, but it was NBA competition. I think he will adjust to the league perfectly. And when you're a team like Houston that doesn't have a cornerstone player yet, right. we're hoping it could be Christian Wood, but they don't have one yet. You have to go best available. You can't go with fit. When you go with fit, that's how, that's how Orlando drafted for paying with the sixth pick.
2: That was crazy.
0: When you go with fit, I think I don't know if he was a sixth or seventh pick. It was one of those. But when you go with fit, you make the wrong decision. Jalen Green is Bradley Beal. He has 25 points per game written all over him. And I think KPJ and him can work. I know people talk about that fit, but I think, like you said, KPJ can be that playmaker. And Jalen Green, I don't think is going to – he can play off the ball. He can play on the ball. He can play in a a variety of different ways. I worry about Green because I don't think he'll be a good defender. I don't know if he'll give that effort on defense where – If you're drafting Mobley, you know you're getting an elite defender. If you're drafting Suggs, you're getting a guy who is going to put effort on the defensive end. Jalen Green, I don't think he'll be that. But with that being said, I think Jalen Green is the second best player in this draft. And Houston has picks at 23 and 24. So they have three picks in the first round. Could they get Jared Butler? You know, they could draft Jared Butler out of Baylor. And I think... He can do a lot of what Suggs can do. He's not the athlete that Suggs is, but as a floor general yeah. point guard, mm-hmm. Jared Butler could be their future. You know, you look at guys like Sharif Cooper. Even maybe they can draft a Cam Thomas. They can draft a big man and Kai Jones or Jaden Springer. Ayo, um, Ayo Desonmo.
2: He's more of a two.
0: Yeah, but I mean, there are a lot of players in this draft yeah. that they can draft, like Trey Mann as well. Like There are a lot that of that players they can draft with that 23rd and 24th overall pick that I don't think... They need to go fit with the second pick because at twenty three and twenty four, you can fill in that you can fill in those holes yep. with those picks.
2: And they, do they have a pick in the second
0: round? They they should. They should. I look it up right now. Jeremiah Alfred, Robinson Earl is also an option. He's a
1: good player. I, he's good. Alfred Payne was. I like round Villanova one pick guys. 10.
2: Villanova guys are very yeah. smart players. I think
0: you know a perfect draft for the Rockets would be Jalen Green, Jared Butler, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I think Jalen Green gives you the scoring, but Butler and Robinson Earl give you the, that defensive presence. I think
2: at 23 and 24, you could probably pick up a project in like Brandon Boston and work on him too. You know, another guy that's a wing. They, they have options, man. They, you they, think Brandon Boston goes in the second round? I was thinking late first. So Late first? You know, like, so like 23, 24, you said? They
0: could. They have an early second rounder, I'm pretty sure. they He, couldn't he Brandon
2: might Boston. fall. Yeah. He had a
1: really bad... Freshman year, so he might fall. In this mock that Bleacher Report has, it has the Rockets going Sharif Cooper, at point 20 guard from Auburn, green? 23, and then okay. 24,
2: uh, Zaire. I yeah, Sharif, and then they get Green, and then Sharif. I'm perfectly fine with that. I agree. And A that, lot
0: of mocks have the Rockets going Mobley, though. Mobley? They have them going Mobley. And th- this I, this I mock had Suggs.
1: Oh, they had yeah. Suggs. Oh, okay. Interesting.
0: And I mean, then the 24, I'd, they have
1: Zaire Williams.
0: I think it's between Mobley and Green,
1: personally.
2: Mm-hmm. Zaire goes all the way to twenty four.
1: Yeah, that's what that's what they're saying here.
0: I really think it's, it's between Green and Mobley, <clears throat> and there are pros and cons to each situation. Right. I personally would just go Green because
2: and just figure it out.
0: Houston needs scores. I mean, John Wall, you can't count on him because he's always injured, and KPJ. Although I like him, he played well. He had a lot of off the court issues. Yeah, that's true. And can you really rely on KP? Are you really not going to draft Jalen Green because you think KPJ's your 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 future mm. as the score? I wouldn't be too sure about that. If, if we're NBA is a business, NBA teams are a business. If you're a business based on KPJ's history as a player, are you going to say no? I he's untouchable. I can't you know try to make him sad. I gotta you know appease him. No, like. He hasn't proven he can be reliable to this point. So I would go Jalen Green because of that. But, you know, I think Jalen Green is Bradley Beal. Pro comparison, I think Evan Mobley is AD or Chris Bosh. I see a lot of Chris Bosh in him, though.
1: Sneaky. Calling him AD is high praise. Defensively. I mean, yeah, he's that
0: good defensively.
1: But offensively, do you think he could... Bosh. He- Okay, so you're saying defensively, he, he has you a of AD. soft touch around the
2: rim. You don't see that a lot with young guys like that. So you don't think he he's Gobert? That'd be
1: no. rude to. No, to no, him no. he has
0: an offensive game. Okay, like a really oh. good offensive game. I think okay. his
1: offensive game is already more advanced than Gobert. Nice. Okay, I would think similar to Aiden. Would you say better defensively?
0: I would say coming out of college, he's similar to Marvin Bagley.
2: I wouldn't be happy with that right now. In terms of um, body, though, and the way he moves, I can see why he says that. Marvin Bagley's a very agile big. He just has. But this dude Mobley looks
1: pretty big. He's seven feet. Yeah, I mean like stocky wise.
0: And not only that, but he led his team in the in the the tournament far. they were not projected to go far. Him and his brother, the Mobley brothers.
2: Yeah.
0: The Orlando Magic have two top picks in. They have two top ten picks. (laughs) The Magic have the fifth overall pick, and they also have the eighth overall pick. And at this point, I think everybody knows who the fifth pick is going to be. It's Jonathan Kaminga. The top four, I think, is set in stone. Suggs, Green, Mobley, Cade. That fifth is, I think, is going to be the fifth pick and the first pick, I think, are the most easiest ones to predict. Cade and Kaminga.
2: You know what's crazy that you say that? I saw a a mock that had Scotty going five.
0: That had Scotty going five. And we talked about Scotty versus Kaminga. I don't think it's too far off. I think
2: that if Scotty goes five, then Jonathan would drop down to the three, and then they'll have a Scotty, Jonathan, Wendell, or Mobamba front court. So that's how it would be. So that's that's what I've seen. But I think because what people are, you know, what I was reading up on is people are starting to look at the tape. You know, now that season's almost over, you get more time. And Kaminga struggled. He's a bad defender. He he has the instincts to be a great defender, the wingspan, the build. But what they were seeing from the G League, Ignite, was he's a bad defender against guys who, like we said, are low-tier NBA players. So, you know, I think right now Orlando's in a bit of a funny situation being they have five and... Eight. Eight. And they have a lot of young talent. You know, they have Markel Fultz. He's still really young. Cole Anthony, he's young. RJ Hampton's really young. That's in your backcourt, and then your frontcourt: Isaac's young, Okiki is young. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. It is. Oh, okay, O'Kiki. is it really? All right. Wow, on the first try. Obama's well, young. Wendell Carter's young. So, Oh you... Kiki. <laughs> nah. So you got like you got a lot of young talent. So in this, like, I think five is should either be Kaminga or Scotty Barnes. But I think at eight they can kind of get tricky and go pick somebody, maybe a project, or pick somebody they, they could just grow up. But I don't know because it's like. Where would where where can they go in that situation? Do they go another wing in Wagner or do they go a guard? I don't really know what the situation Orlando's going to do because they have a lot of young youth. Are you on saying team. at eight or you're saying at five? At eight,
1: at five, oh, yeah. I know
2: there's either going to be Kuminga it's or Barnes. Either. I think they're going to lean Kuminga, based off what they've been picking in the past years: athletic, long wings. Mm-hmm. So I think based off that, they're going to go Kuminga, and I think Kuminga would probably fit more with Isaac and Okiki. But at eight, they can go shooter. I don't, I don't think they have a lot of shooting on their team. So I think they can go shoot. But I don't think Kisper gets pick at eight. It's too high.
0: You know, Orlando, they're one of those teams that they were bad, but they have a lot of talent. You look like all of their positions outside of the small forward positions are basically filled. You look at point guard, Cole Anthony, Markel Foles, R.J. Hampton, shooting guard, Terrence Ross, Gary Harris. Small forward right now is Dwayne Bacon. Power forward, Jonathan Isaac
2: way you said that
0: at like. center
1: Dwayne Beacon
0: at center it's Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter so in this draft with the fifth pick they're going Scotty Barnes or Kaminga. I think Kaminga has the higher upside I think Scotty Barnes right now is more NBA ready and he's coming from Florida State the same college that Jonathan Ozick went to there could be a relationship there because Team they man. they paid they paid Jonathan Ozick a lot of money and I think in this point of time, this point in time, I trust Scotty Barnes more. He's coming from a great program. You look at T Man, Terrence Mann Dwayne came from Bacon. there, Dwayne Bacon, Jonathan Isaac, Devin Vassell. I mean, Florida State, Leonard Hamilton has created some really good pros. And I think Scotty Barnes has the potential to be that. When I was watching his tape, he's a very good passer. He's a very great defender. He's like a dream He's a good rebounder. Yeah, he could do it all, literally. <clears throat> He shot 50% from the field in college, 27% from three. But Kaminga in, in, in the G League shot 38% from the field and shot poor from three. So his offensive game isn't refined enough to where he can make an immediate impact. And as a defender, he really struggled. But the tricky part is that eighth pick. Because when I look at Orlando...
2: I think they go Buck Knight.
0: That would be a good pick. That would be a good pick. But this is the thing. When you look at Orlando... Let's say they draft Scotty Barnes or Kaminga. They're basically drafting defenders, mm-hmm. and their team is made up of defenders: Wendell Carter, Jonathan Isaac, Kaminga. Let's say hypothetically, oh, even Bamba. even Gary Harris. Outside of their guard position, they don't have much offense. So, at the eighth pick, they could draft maybe a Keon Johnson, a France Wagner would what could be a good pick. Davion well, Keon Mitchell Johnson's
2: a defender too.
0: Yeah, Davion Mitchell, Corey Kispert could be there as well. Or you said James Buck Knight could be there as well. So I think with that eighth pick, they go with the score. That's what I'd go with at least. Yeah. Okay. And honestly, hopefully they nail it because the eighth overall pick is the cursed pick. Yeah. We've been talking about it. You know, players drafted there have been Brandon Knight, KCP, uh, Brandon Wright, uh, Jackson Hayes, Obi Toppin, and I can name more, but if you do your research on the eighth o- if you do your research on the eighth overall pick, most of them have been bust. Outside of Colin Sexton, most of them have been bust.
2: Yeah, and I think like based off the team you just named out, probably be their their three and their two are their weakest positions right now. Being that Terrence Ross, you know he's on the he's other side. He's a six side. man. Yeah, he's on the other side of thirty. Gary Harris, he hasn't been the same for a couple years, and they're probably not going to keep him with that big contract. You're so a
1: fan yeah. of Cole Anthony?
0: I'm a bigger fan of RJ Hampton.
1: I'm a, and I'm and neutral on it. And Markell. I'm a fan of Markel. The only thing that worries me is their injury history. It's like Cole Anthony missed time last year. Markel Fultz obviously was out for— And there's no shooting in that backcourt. I- Isaac had, had his two ACL, two ACL injuries. injuries. So I feel like with that eighth pick— I feel like with the fifth pick, they're going to go Kaminga. But with that eighth pick, I feel like I would be more secure leaning with a point guard, shooting guard. So Davian Mitchell, I, I believe I'm pronouncing his first name correctly. I feel like he provides you that, that blow by— Adrian. Davion? Yeah, he's black. But let me ask you,
2: you would pick a 23-year-old at the point 22. of what, Well, he'll be 23 mm-hmm. by the time he starts. True, true. So you'll pick that at the time of where Orlando's at right now, a guy who's kind of league-ready at the moment?
1: Tw- 22, I feel like I'll take the chance on that. I feel like that's not – I feel you because you're looking at Trey. I mean, what's this, his second year? Who? Trey Young, right? Third. Third? Third. Is, so 22. Well, I'm
2: looking at it from an aspect of Orlando's looking to build – a culture, and I don't think I think Davion Mitchell wouldn't be the guy you would go to. A guy who's 22, 23, you know, late in, in the process. Mm. I think they would probably go younger because that's what they're. they are in the rebuild process. You don't go older in the rebuild process. Okay,
0: so I, I mean, in I've... the in the topic of Orlando, between Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, and R.J. Hampton, who do you think is the better long term option? Who do you think Orlando should say should should pick to be the franchise? point guard
1: feel like the ceiling i'd have to go fultz i would go rj hampton then cole anthony cole Cole anthony had a had a few flashes of clutch shots down the stretch where he had a few buzzer beaters i just feel like markel fultz has more to offer to the squad i like rj hampton it's just markel's mark if markel obviously wasn't injury prone which that's a lot of players issues but Mar- Markell has so much potential, and it's just such a shame we're not I'll getting to see it. I'll probably go
2: Fultz, Anthony, Hampton. I'm
0: going to R.J. Hampton first. I think he's going to be the best point guard out of all three, and I think whether it's with Orlando or another team, I think R.J. Hampton will have the best career. I think even right now, I think R.J. Hampton is better than Fultz and Cole Anthony.
2: What makes you say that, though?
0: He's a better shooter than those two. He's a better shooter. I think he's a better ball handler. And he had a rough his- season this year. He's RJ, nah. Look at his Orlando stats. He shot forty-one percent from three. He's a rookie, bro. He yeah. shot eleven points per True. game See, on Orlando. RJ Heaton on Orlando was good. Mm, on Denver, okay. he wasn't good.
2: Yeah, well, Denver has a lot of. Guards.
1: Yeah, his
0: minutes were in spurts. You mm-hmm. can't really expect to get Probably rhythm at the in end spurts. Of the
1: game. On Orlando, he averaged 11.2. Uh, 2.8 assists, five rebounds. That is pretty firm for a rookie. Definitely, you take that to the credit. You look at the shooting percentages too. When Mark, excuse me, when Markell played, he showed a, a lot of potential. He shot 26% from 3. Markell has never been a good shooter even from you when he got You need that as a guard in.
0: now. You need that as a guard. You really need that as a guard.
1: Or you need something to compensate. And for Cole that.
0: Anthony shot 39% from the field.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now
0: he's in an, he's a volume scorer, he's inefficient. I just think RJ Hampton is the best option for Orlando long term. Okay. And he also has he has more size than those other guys too. Mm. Yeah, I think Markel and him are around the same height. I think they are the same height.
1: Hampton's 6'4". Yeah, Markel Fultz is 6'4". And then let's see. Cole Anthony, I think he's short.
0: I think Markel Fultz, they probably paid him prematurely. Mm 6'3". They probably should have waited it out. Yeah. But, you know, I think RJ Hampton should be the long-term answer at point guard for Orlando.
1: Markel's 6'3", so Hampton's taller than he is. Yeah,
0: so Hampton, yeah, he's taller. I think he just. I think Hampton is a better slasher than those two, and he's just a better shooter. I think all we'll around. See if he gets his opportunity this year. I hope he does. I mean, that point guard spot is, is flooded.
2: It's up for game right now.
0: It's gonna. It's gonna be hard. So
1: you guys say you guys think that Orlando has a a, a good amount of talent on the squad. Do you think they could squeak in an no. eight, nine, ten? They're
0: too young. I think they're a I couple they years have a away. Good and I young also think core. they're
1: too injury prone to to make any noise really. Or and I want to see what head
0: coach they hire as well. Okay, that's another
2: thing. I want to see I, what. I, I want to see how Jonathan.
1: Makes that leap from offense, you know. It's just gonna be hard coming off two torn ACLs. That's just so yeah. brutal. They paid him. I mean, I get it. He he obviously has is an world tools to be that guy. Six eleven too. It's like he, he definitely has a bunch of intangibles to be a solid dude. So you can take that, but it's just that explosiveness, especially with two torn ACLs. Like one, you could you could get to ninety ninety five percent same explosiveness. But two torn ACLs, it's just in your mind at that point.
0: The Toronto Raptors have the fourth overall pick in the draft. We found that out yesterday in the draft lottery. And I think, you know, the the top three picks, I think, will be Cade, Mobley, Jalen Green. I'm not sure who's going to go two and three. But at four, I think it's a no-brainer pick for Toronto. I I think it's Jalen Suggs. And not only because I think he's the best available player left, But also, Toronto is probably going to lose Kyle Lowry. They're going to lose their floor general point guard. And Jalen Suggs is that floor general point guard, in my opinion. He's a great passer. He's a good slasher. He can get to the rim. He's a great defender. I mean, they could realistically, what they're losing in Kyle Lowry, they can gain back with Jalen Suggs. And I think he'll be really good for them. You could make an argument for Kaminga because I think to, I believe in Toronto to develop Kaminga. But you look at Toronto, they're not lacking wings. They already Agreed. have OG and Anobi. They already have Pascal Siakam. I don't think they need a wing. Right now they need a floor general point guard, and I think that's Jalen Suggs. I think the fourth pick should be Jalen Suggs, and it would be a great pick for them.
2: I think if, you know, I, I know Toronto fans was praying for Cade, and I believe if Cade got on this team, they would have made the playoffs 100%. I think Fred Van Vliet... OG and will be taking that leap this year, and he's going to keep continue to improve. Especially
0: with a floor general point guard.
2: Pascal Siakam, you know, Bennett, he was going to benefit. I think this team is really, really, really good and has a lot of youth. And I think this team just needs a guy that kind of can bring it all together and gel. And with Kyle Lowry leaving, like he said, it's no better position than to just put Suggs in that spot. You know, playing for Gonzaga, you kind of have that chip on your shoulder. And you kind of have that way about you where you just know what winning basketball feels like. And I think Sugg's walking into that situation. He already had the Gonzaga run. I think he'll know what to do and be good at what he does, and that's being the fifth or sixth, sixth option and not being a complete drop off. Even if, like I said, if Houston panics and picks Sugg, you go green. If green maybe slides the four, or even Mobley, I, I like Mobley in Toronto low-key. I think Mobley at the five mm. is a good spot. You know, Chris Boucher, I think he's not under contract. I think he'll be free agency. You get Mobley no, at the five. He, to f- he's going he's to
0: be uh, on Toronto next year. Okay,
2: so even then, you still get Mobley at the five. I think that's a good pick. So I think I think Toronto, whether whoever drops, I think Suggs should be their number one option because they need a one because Kyle Lowry probably not going to come back. But I think Mobley, if he drops, would be a great option for them. Jalen Green too.
0: Mobley would be the dream scenario. I mean, Toronto right now have they have no center and Siakam. He's played with good centers before. He's a four more. He's like a four three hybrid. Yeah, he can guard players, so that's not a problem. Their defense is going to be great. That would be a dream scenario. That spacing would be they, crazy. They, last year they tried the Aaron Baines experiment. That didn't work out. Then later in the season they started Kem Birch, who actually had a really Good stretch with the Raptors. He averaged, I think, 11 points and nine rebounds about there when he started for Toronto. But he's a free agent, so who knows if he's going to come back. But Evan Mobley to Toronto, that would be a dream scenario. And I'd honestly would be scary. That would be scary. Evan Mobley would be scary there.
1: So I'm leaning Jalen Suggs, but my question, you guys really think Kyle Lowry's gone, no doubt? I think he wants to win, like have a real chance of winning.
2: And I, I don't think... I mean, he already to, got his chip. You think he... I think he wants to play... He wants to... I, like, I feel like when people... When guys get a chip, one chip, they get hungry for more. Like right They want to They want to experience that mm-hmm. run again, that feel again. And I think Kyle Lowry's in a position right now where he could still contribute to a winning team. So I think he wants to be at the top of the helm mm-hmm. in, a con, in contention for a championship. Okay. So I think he'll go somewhere else. I think the two LA teams are his first places he's looking at, honestly.
1: Okay. So yeah, with that in mind, I feel like... Jalen Suggs definitely makes the most sense here. You need that playmaking type guard that one can can feed your guys. You can feed the, the shooters like Ognenovski, Federico. Uh, you got Pascal Siakam who can let it go, Boucher who can also shoot the the three ball relatively well, and and Jalen Suggs can go get a bucket too. I feel like th- that's the best of both worlds. If Jalen drops to four, Toronto should be smiling ear to ear. It's it's like you're getting the the, the bottom of the barrel, you know, but that bottom of the barrel is still a, a gold trophy. Uh, I I love I love Jalen Suggs's game. I just think that J- Jalen Green's a better scorer than he is, and and in a league where offense is so essential, I that's why I like Green to go earlier. You guys are saying Mobley would be the perfect scenario. I just feel like Boucher needs his time as a starter, especially when you bring in uh, Siakam and him to to run that four or five. I really like Siakam at that four. I like Boucher at that five. Boucher's defense is really solid. He 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 was one of the top shot blockers in the league. And he could space the floor too. His shot he he had multiple games where he was hitting multiple threes. Uh Boucher was really one of the more underlooked players uh, especially because Toronto really wasn't that efficient. Then you look at a starting lineup of you got uh Jalen uh Jalen Suggs, Federico, OG Anobi, Pascal Siakam, Chris Who Boucher. Is Federico? Yeah, who's Federico? Uh Fred Van Vliet. Oh, why do you keep calling him Federico? You guys aren't from the six. Y'all wouldn't get it. Oh, I was so, I was sitting here and I'm just like, yo, who does he keep saying? Really? Bro? You guys yeah, don't, I, never heard him call Federico? Nah, he.
2: I was just sitting here thinking, like, you uh-huh. must be yeah, some new who, guy. I, 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 I don't know who you were talking about. Yeah, I was, uh-huh. was going to ask you, but I, I thought you were just messaged me. I'm good. I'm good. Said like, it you, twice. Think,
0: you think Chris Boucher is a good defender?
2: Yeah,
1: I don't, don't sh- think I said shot blocker. He's a good shot blocker. He said shot blocker.
0: I don't know. He's I don't. Twenty seven, right? I wouldn't like Chris Boucher at that
2: five. I mean, you don't have to start Mobley at the five though, right away. Okay. You know, you can bring him off the bench, or it's just a, no, no, no. Wait. I feel he's like you want you starter. want Mobley.
0: you want so? you want, yes. you want start
1: your him. number two, number three, number four pick to be a starter right off rip. In, mm-hmm. in my I mean, opinion, I
0: think Chris Boucher, defensively, I don't think he's very good because he has such a slight frame. He has the frame of a of a guy who just came into the NBA. You know, he can't bang with great... He's tall. He's got length. But he can't bang with elite centers in the NBA. I think that's where Evan Mobley... Like, he could. I think Evan Mobley, day one, he is an elite defender, or at least great defender. Chris Boucher, to me, is a starting four. But obviously, with Siakam there, you can't start him at four. I think he's that sixth man for the Raptors. And he's going to be really good in his role, but I just... So, I don't think, you know, if it's between Mobley and Boucher, I think it's Mobley.
1: Well, fair enough, because Mobley's going to have the youth. But Boucher had a, a pretty great season. I mean, he shot 51% from the field, shot 38% from three, averaged two blocks a game, a- averaged 13.6 points a game. I mean, he had a really underrated, underlook season. I mean, two blocks a game... That's pretty That's pretty firm. I understand what you're saying because he doesn't have the the bulkiness of, of a true center in the league. But being over seven feet tall, excuse me, he's not really seven feet tall. He's, he's only 6'10". So Boucher. look
0: at these stats. Last This past season, the Raptors were the second worst defensive rebounding team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. They were even worse when Boucher was on the court.
1: Yeah, Boucher's not a great rebounder for his eyes. And
0: the, the rebounding is a part of defense. No doubt. So, you know, if you want a center, you can't have Boucher out there because you need a guy who can grab rebounds or else you're gonna give a lot of teams second chance opportunities. Fair enough. He's a good shot blocker, no doubt, but there are a lot of players who can block shots but aren't good defenders, you mm-hmm. know. So listen,
1: I just think I said he was a good shot blocker. I'm not going all in on his defense, but you're hundred percent right. That rebounds lacking uh, in his game definitely takes him down and would be a question mark to start him at the center. I just feel like his offense is what makes him stand out so much. Especially, you're not really paying him much any any anyways. So I feel like I'd rather go the point guard route, especially if you're 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 planning on losing your your franchise point guard who's been there for years. So I feel like that's why I would lean Suggs, even if Mobley's there. Uh, but I understand where you guys are coming from for sure.
0: So what do you think, Riv? Let Let's just say their pick is between Jalen Suggs and Jonathan Kaminga. Okay who would you go with? Sucks Easily,
2: no doubt about it. With Anubi there, Anobi, damn, I'm probably... And 16. Anubi. And Anobi, I'm just OG. With OG, Triple OG, with him there and Pascal there, I don't even see a scenario where Kuminga goes there. I think those two guys, you know, Pascal being 26, OG still being really young, I don't even think Kuminga would go in there. And granted, Toronto has a really great developing team, but I just think... You go sucks.
1: I have a question. Weren't you contemplating Scotty and Kaminga for that fifth pick? I don't yeah. think Scotty uh, goes there either, though. I, right. but sorry. I, sorry. But I, think, I could have I swore think, that you said that you were leaning. I,
0: for Orlando, yeah, I think Scotty is more ahead than Kaminga right now, but Kaminga just has that potential. Okay, I'm with to you. Where there. He can it's be, popping. I'm with it's you. He, he can mm. be Paul George Definitely. like. Yeah, I'm with you. So, you, you know, if, if you're trusting your developmental team to develop a player like that,
1: which Toronto they, has a history they, of. Yeah,
0: they could go Kaminga. You know, but if it's between Green, Mobley and Suggs which I don't think is going to be I, you know I really don't see a scenario where Mobley or Green are there at four I, I don't see one mm. but yeah. let's just say they have to pick between one of those three I think it's Mobley Toronto I, yeah I think yeah. you know they already have scores they need that elite defensive presence and Mobley can also he, I think he's a, he's a career 20 and 10 guy like that's what I think his ceiling is okay. Mobley is that good so I would go Mobley if I was to Ronson. If they luck into Mobley, that would be a dream scenario. But obviously, if it's between Suggs, Barnes, and Kaminga, I think Jalen Suggs is a no-brainer pick. I agree, man. OKC Rob fell boy. out of the top four. Unfortunate. And—
1: Is it? I'm Listen, I'm rooting for OKC.
0: This NBA draft was about the top five prospects. Cade, Jalen Green, Suggs, Kaminga, and Mobley okc thunder fans were hoping at a chance to get one of these guys at least and it turns out they're going to get the sixth overall pick which is just outside of that top five right now they have scotty barnes being mocked to okc and this just goes to show you that tanking doesn't work in the nba anymore you can be a horrible team but
2: i think they they fixed odds now
0: yeah the top the Three worst the team the three teams with the worst record at have the, the same odds at the it's, number one pick.
1: It's 14%.
0: Wow. So tanking, I think, has been proven not to be that effective. OKC fell out of that top five. And a lot of Thunder fans were not only contemplating getting Cade or a top three pick, they were contemplating getting Rockets. Houston's pick. Yep. And then having two of these top five prospects, and now that's not gonna happen. So at the six overall pick. I personally don't think they can trade up. I don't. Detroit is not trading trading down. They're, they're, they're drafting. They're, they're locked in. You look at Houston. They need a franchise. Extra question:
2: Does Kemba and the sixth pick work for Toronto?
0: No. You don't no.
2: think so? No, no. I think that would probably be the only one.
0: I don't think Kemba has value right now. Mm. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. You look at Houston. They need a franchise-changing player. And that's gonna be there at three. You look at Cleveland, uh maybe like that's a possibility. But if Green is there or Mobley
2: Cleveland's at three, three.
0: especially if Cleveland can get Mobley, I don't think they trade out of that pick because they need a center back. Even though they have Jared Allen, I don't see all star in Jared Allen. I see really solid player, I see star in Mobley. Yeah. Then okay. you look at Toronto. Does Toronto want to drop down to six and then and then draft a Kaminga or Scotty Barnes? They already have forwards, so I think Suggs makes perfect sense.
2: Which means five,
0: and five, and at five you're basically drafting the same player, Kaminga or Scotty Barnes. And even then, I don't know if Orlando moves out of that pick mm-hmm. because they have the eighth overall pick. Exactly. So why would you move out of fifth to draft Barnes instead of Kaminga? Yeah. Unless they want Barnes, they're not sold on Kaminga. And And they they let OKC trade up. They think Barnes is going five. Yeah. And that's the only scenario I think. But OKC will, right now, Scotty Barnes is being mocked to them. And I like the move. You know, I I don't think this is the worst thing in the world because I think Kaminga is more of a project than Scotty Barnes. And Scotty Barnes right now does more things better than Kaminga. He's a better defender, he's a better passer. Kaminga's a better rebounder and a better scorer, you could say. But Scotty Barnes is not a bad scorer. And what I like about him is that. He picks his spots. He knows when to score. He knows where he's effective. Where Kaminga in the G League shot 38% from the field. Scotty Barnes shot 50% from the field in college. So I think right now Scotty Barnes is more refined. And I don't think this is the worst thing in the world for OKC. I think the future is still really bright. And if they have a combination of Lou Dort and Scotty Barnes,
1: their Being winners. their defensive
0: yeah. stoppers, yeah. that would be an elite defensive duo. No yeah, I, th-
2: I think Scotty got to be the pick here. You know, I think even with- over Kaminga. Damn,
0: I don't know if Kaminga would be there, but I'm just yeah, wondering. Yeah. Well,
2: I'm, just I'm wondering. saying Scotty goes five, and then Kaminga. I think either or would be fine for OKC, considering okay. that they need a three or a four. Okay, so I think Scotty, like, like he says, uh, Scotty's. Advanced yep. right yep. now, yep. and I think that that is because of Leonard uh Hamilton and him playing for Mont Verde. Yep. So I think he's he is advanced right now. His defense is really great. He's a great playmaker. His offense, his shooting is not where it needs to be, but he can always work on that. But I think Scotty is good for that for that type of system. OKC, okay, you know, playing the four and like. I think we could do Basley at the five or him playing the three, but I think you know Scotty has to be the pick because he's the best guy right there for them right now, and they they need a guy like that, a versatile guy that can defend, you know, keep the trend. He's a young guy. Even if Kaminga, you can get Kaminga another young guy who has a lot of potential. You know, you pick up somebody else and go through your OKC development staff and hopefully get him better. But I think. They, they, I don't think they're going to look anywhere else but Scotty or Kaminga here. I, I think those guys have to go here to OKC. I feel
1: like I would lean Scotty just because I feel like they're so focused, or this team right now is really heavy offensively. And I feel like bringing a guy like Scotty would bring uh, a strong defensive presence, especially with Lou Dortz. Now, I feel like them missing out in the top five, it's really not too bad, especially with Kaminga and Scotty being so close. And. If you're looking towards the future, they have a plethora of picks that this really doesn't hurt them. Would it have been amazing to get two top five picks? Of course. But obviously, that would have been a perfect world scenario. And they have 18 picks over the next four or five years. I'm not too sure which of the two, but I know that they have 18 first, 18 second round picks. And this this roster is definitely headed towards the right direction. They go and they pick up Kemba. They go and they, and they have Shea. They, they they have a potential of getting uh, another wing to pair with Dortz. I'm a little bit concerned with their bigs. Uh, help me out. Uh,
0: they uh, have a, uh, dude. Isaiah Robey.
1: Poku. Poku. Correct. Correct. I,
0: I think he's like a forward, though. I yeah.
2: don't think he can they, be they a They actually have him as a small forward.
1: Yeah, I
0: don't oh. think he can be a center. He's just too skinny.
1: And I just feel like in this part of the draft, I'm, I'm not in love with any bigs. And that's why I would lean Scotty. That's why it also hurts that they didn't break into the top five because obviously well, this, again, Moby would have been In this type huge. of NBA, Scotty can be that. Scotty and Basley can be your bigs, you know. Uh, and types. he has size. This dude's two twenty five, six seven. I think his unofficial was six nine. He has long, his long arms. Yeah. You
2: know, he, this this type of NBA, you can be okay with that. And Poku's a three.
0: When so. you when you talk about Scotty Barnes versus Kaminga's physical traits, Scotty Barnes has more. Like True. He's the same height as Kaminga. He is stronger than than him as well. It's just when you watch Kaminga play, you see what you saw from Cam Reddish in college, a guy who looks fluid, who looks the part, but is very inconsistent. Cam Reddish has not figured it out in the NBA thus far, and that's what you see in Kaminga. But when we're talking about who's more refined right now, who has the physical traits, it is Scotty Barnes. So maybe OKC lucked into Scotty Barnes because they may have taken a a project player in in Kaminga and have, we're probably going to be unable to develop him when Scotty Barnes, I think is going to come in right, come right away and hit the ground running. You look at former Florida state players like we mentioned earlier, Terrence Mann. I didn't even mention Patrick Williams earlier, but he's really good. Devin Vassell, Jonathan Isaac. This is a really good program and they have a track record of developing really good forwards. So Scotty Barnes, I have, I have no doubt he can be a really good pro.
1: And it's not like any, anyone's expecting anything of OKC next season, too. So it's they can take their time with this rebuild. They they obviously have put themselves in a position where they have such a plethora of picks that they're trying to build. A, a, obviously, you're never going to come across a Durant, Harden, and Russell probably ever again in their lives. But you can build a team that could still be a contender, especially with the amount of picks they have. So it's not the end of the world that they're not breaking into the top five.
0: And they have the 16th overall pick, too. If they want a big man, they could go Kai Jones. Mm-hmm. Now, that would be a good guy. Isaiah Jackson, also out of Kentucky. Jeremiah Robinson Earl in this modern NBA could be you said a small five. Yeah, they have the 16 So pack. would
1: it be the craziest thing if we saw six and, and you said 16 mm-hmm. packaged together to see if they could try and move up? If they really wanted to go get Evan Mobley? Let's I think say, they'll have to throw in more things. So let's say Green goes two. Right. Cleveland has Jared Allen do you think that they would be willing to go that three would be to six? the only
2: chance that they have Cleveland with them having Jared Allen if Mobley mm-hmm. is there then they can paint maybe something because I think Mobley would be great for OKC I think so too so I think
0: Cleveland also they need defense so definitely. with that six pick they can draft Kaminga or Barnes and help their defense out a lot because I think
2: Kevin Love is probably gone this year, so yeah. Barnes would be okay. I think they'll be okay with Barnes. So maybe Cleveland, you could probably pack a something. nice core. You get Sexton, Garland,
1: uh, you Barnes, Ke- or Correct, correct.
0: Allen, that would be that wouldn't be bad. I don't I hate actually it.
1: actually like that far right, and you get the 16th pick overall if you're Cleveland too. Right? You maybe you hit on one of those, even though it's like, nice thinking.
0: Hey, nice yeah, thinking. and Cle- I think Evan Mobley is would be the best fit for OKC because definitely Jalen Suggs, I think, will take away from Shea. A little bit. And that's the last thing you Jalen Green as well because, you know, he's a scoring guard. Cade Cunningham, of course, he's the dream scenario, but that's not going to happen. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> I mean, come on.
0: And and then, you know, outside of that, it's really Kaminga. And, do you, you know, do you really want to take – you don't really want to take that chance unless you have to. Yeah. You know, Evan Mobley, he fills in a need, and he's possibly the second best pro- prospect in terms of potential in this draft. Because Jalen Green, I think – he could be the best offensive player that's it, or though. scorer in the draft. But Mobley can be the best defender in this draft and can be a top four offensive player in the draft as well.
1: So, do you think Mobley could be the best all
2: around player, or do you think that's Cade? I'm talking about, well, Cade, yes, but I think Mobley could be a 20 and 10 guy that gives you elite defense on a given night. So, that's something you know Jalen Green's scores come easy. You know, Jalen yep. Green's going to be an elite scorer. Yep. But a guy who gives you 20 and 10, can switch on pick and rolls, can guard the perimeter and guard down low, can hit, you know, the mid-range and the three. Those are got rare guys Definitely. in the NBA. So, you you know, you would want to take a chance on that. No, I'm with you for sure.
0: The Chicago Bulls did not get a pick in the lottery. They needed the top a top four pick to have their pick. It would have been almost it, impossible. Though. It fell out of the top four. <laughs> And now the Orlando Magic have the eighth overall pick, and I don't want to get too in depth in this topic. I just want to get your reaction, Riff. Watching that draft lottery, the draft lottery. What were you thinking?
2: Uh, All right, so I was watching it. I was at home. I was watching it. I was. I was actually at work watching this, so it may be even more mad because I was screaming in the booth. But you know, just it's just the lack of it. Just it just showed me the lack of failure that we've had. Over the past couple of years, in the draft, in the lottery, in free agency, in trades, you know, we sold our future for Vucevic. And I thought, okay, at the moment, all right, you know, Vucevic, Levine, it sounds good, you know, from a paper standpoint, it looks really good. Boom, we get Vucevic, we lose like the first three or four games. We start winning a little bit, Zach goes down, it's over. And it's like, over the past drafts, we could have had a chance at Michael Porter Jr., could have had a chance at Cam Reddish, we ended up picking Kobe White and Wendo Carter. Patrick Williams is the one pick I'm actually okay with because mm-hmm. he's like the next claw. He's, he's, pre- he's freaking dope. Defensively no, or yeah, period? No, defensively. No, he's, okay. Really, okay. Okay. he's really good. No, no, I'm just So saying. that was the one I'm like, all right, I was wrong about that because I walked out when we picked him. I really? No, actually, I walked out on set. <laughs> I was so mad because he was, just came out of nowhere. Uh-huh. But he proved me wrong. Now, in a draft where you have Suggs, you have Cade, Two guys who will feel the need that we need a playmaking guard. We don't get into the top four. You got Evan Mobley. We need a center. We got Vucevic. is cool. He's 30. He doesn't really play defense. He's an offensive guy. Laurie hasn't panned out to be what we expect him to be. Unfortunate. Yeah, so it's like it's, we're in a situation where it's, like, it's just really sad because our fans are embarrassing Michael Jordan, the statue that's outside. We're embarrassing United Center, and we haven't been good in a really long time. And I'm like literally this close from dropping this team. You got to be, you, you
1: got to chill on your boys. I mean, you just had it. We, we just what? We, we just what? We just what? We just what? But Jimmy wait, wait. Butler. Wait, wait. That was five years ago. Right, bro, <laughs> come on. As a, you got a whole lifetime of this. No, I'm sick of this. Bro. I
2: went from a D Rolls MVP, him getting
1: hurt. Yeah, man. That That, was that, that sucked. Brutal. And then now we're in a, we was in a Jimmy Butler era. Uh-huh. I'm a little more optimistic on the Bulls than you are, True. It's because you've seen rings. I ha- I'm just talking about the Bulls re- regular in general. You haven't seen... Bro, I, I went from a Ben Gordon era
2: uh-huh. to a D-Roll's era yep. to a Jimmy Butler, Joe Ke- We Joe Keem Noah was our best player at a point in life. Granted, he's good, but come on, bro. I would bro. say
1: Jimmy was your best player. No,
2: it was Joe Keem Noah for a year when he was in the top five of MVP voting. Okay. Then Jimmy Butler was our uh best player. We lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers in six when they cheated us. In game four at home, when they gave LeBron a timeout when he didn't have a timeout, he hits the big game winner. Mm. We're done after that. We don't make the playoffs. We trade D Rose to them. The 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 and, home uh-huh. we trade the, the city to them basically because yep. that was our Correct. city. We got Rondo, he gets hurt, we lose to Boston, and we haven't been the same ever since. We trade So Jimmy. what's this
0: era right now?
2: This is the Zach Kobe Levine. The Zach Levine era and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it what's, sucks. He's a do you think he Zach puts Levine up could be numbers and we lose. Because you don't have a great supporting cast around him. it's it's And you need bro, a coach that's actually going to take his actual I don't, I don't care what exactly nobody
2: me. says. You can't tell me we couldn't be better than the Pacers when their whole team was hurt this year. I like the Pacers squad whole way team better was than hurt yours.
1: I agree, but even still, they have a stronger core The than Washington
2: Wizards were like 20 games out of eighth place and ended up being in the playoffs.
1: But they had Russ what, and what, Bradley. What, you can't tell me Russ nothing. Russ and Bradley. We can't if the be Bulls better. had Russ and Bradley, you guys would be the eighth seed also. They were twenty games. Out of they, the, bro. they started
2: tweaking. We can't be better than the Spurs. <laughs> like, come on, bro.
0: The Bulls don't have bad talent. That's I, listen, Th-
1: we don't. My po- This is what I was going to we say. We went through a Fred Hoiberg Zach, era. Zach Levine, potential superstar. He could be a potential superstar. You got Vucevic, who's very uh, efficient offensively. You think
2: Zach Levine could be a top fifteen player in the
1: NBA. That's what you just said. <laughs> I said potential superstar. and we've we, we had just the worst coaches. 16. We had the worst coach you in the bad, NBA you before four. Billy Donovan. What was the guy's name? I'm, I'm not a fan of Billy Donovan either. What was the guy's
2: name? You remember his name? Who's? The guard before uh, Billy Donovan. Jim Boylan.
1: Jim Boylan. He said yeah. Chris Dunn can guard Giannis. Yeah, was, I mean, come on. When Obviously, that's when you should have known he needed to go. Billy Don. I'm not a fan of Donovan either. I feel like you like that's a step in the right direction, but even still. But you look at the piece. You got Laurie, Kobe White, Pat Williams, all good role players. You have to pay Laurie. Th- which hurts. But I I feel like you can still get him for cheap because he's been so injury-prone. Then you got Thaddeus Young who had a really good season. Thomas, on, Sa- we have to pay him too. I still think that you get him for relatively cheap.
2: What's cheap to you? We're gonna pay him at least. We have to pay him at least I ten mil. Like we paid Thomas Sanneranski a year.
1: year you saying ten mil? Yes. Okay. I feel like that's not. He was. You know. He, you know. We had an awards right for our team, and he was the MVP. And I believe I. hundred I percent. I mean MVP. That's Zach Levine. But Do you know how embarrassing that is. Yeah, that is. Santa and Thies, these are all good role players. If you get the right coach in this, you can say exactly. Ransky's
2: a good player? Good role player. Oh,
1: God. I'm not saying he's a good player. Have you Have seen us play? Yeah, It's not great, <laughs> but I'm talking the next season. I'm optimistic about this squad. Listen, our team, if the, if, if the claw, the new claw
2: makes the. the baby claw? <laughs> yeah, if the baby claw makes an improvement. Uh-huh. You're looking at a lineup of Kobe White, Zach Levine, the claw, Laurie, Vucevic. We need a playmaking
1: guard. Kobe White doesn't pass the ball. Yeah, that hurts. That hurts. And, and we have no bench. And Kobe, again, after draft night, I had high expectation for him. He just never, never ended up being what we thought it's it would it's be. A, it's a dark time for Chicago fans. It's true.
0: It's we were going to end off the show on this topic, but some breaking news is happening right now. Jason Kidd is about to be the new head coach for the Dallas Mavericks.
2: Oh, Rick um, vouch for him. He'll, he hoped he got it there. So, I expected that. Obviously, the news is not official
0: yet, but we're not going to record another podcast until five days from now. So might as well talk about it right now and project what's going to happen. So if Jason Kidd does, in fact, become the Dallas Mavericks new head coach, what do you think this does for Dallas? You know, what do you what? How do you like the fit? How do you like Jason Kidd going to Dallas?
2: Well, uh, I'm shocked. I mean. The fit. I know Jason Kidd and Luca have actually really strong relationship, and I know Rick Carlisle was banking on him to get the job, but from what we've seen in the past, you know, Jason Kidd is a defensive-minded coach. I believe he has a ring with you guys. Yeah, he's, he was, an he's been he has our an assistant, assistant for he the does. last two years. Yeah, so he, he he actually was one of the defensive coaches for you guys, having one of the best defenses in the NBA. We so had the best defense, yeah. Pardon me, you had the best. I, I didn't know the exact number, as I said, one All of good. the best. Um but yeah so I, from what I've known from the past Milwaukee was one of the best defensive Correct. teams Correct. in the league. He liked MCW a lot as a player. So from what I've seen he's going to bring defense to this team and that's this is a team who high powered as they are offensively they're not that good defensively. So that, he's going to bring the defense but really what the teams that he've had uh, in the past they have the personality to play defense. I'm not 100% sure Dallas has the personnel to play elite defense. I agree. I, I know Dorian Finney-Smith is a really good defender, but Maxi Kleber, from what I've seen, is a bit of a cone to certain players. Mm-hmm. You know, Porzingis isn't a great defender. Luka, he, he gives it his effort on defense. but People still hunt for him. You know, Jalen Brunson's a good defender, but he's small, so you don't know about that. Tim Hardaway Jr. is not that good of a defender. So it's about the personnel, but I think bringing in a coach, you know, That's the first step, and I think they've got their guy in bringing in the defensive coach. I think you don't need an offensive coach when you have a guy as smart as Luca on the team. So bringing in Jason Kidd, I think it's a good move so far, but it's about the personnel, and they need personnel to play elite defense.
0: I'm wishing the best for Jason Kidd. Hopefully he turns around his coaching career with the Dallas Mavericks. But to this point, I can't say anything but that he's been a failure as a head coach. With Brooklyn, they created a super team. He wasn't able to... Really live up to any expectations. Granted that they did run into the Miami Heat, but Heels. when they made that team, they were expected to go really far. They only won 44 games that year, which is an average record for a team with that much talent. Then he goes to Milwaukee. He helped develop Giannis. No doubt about it. I have no doubts about that. But you look at the record. First year, they won 41 games with him as coach. Well, we
2: played them, too, in the playoffs. His Both? <laughs> yeah, we played kids.
0: Kids very next year as a head coach. After his first year in Milwaukee, he won 33 games. So he dropped off. And then, the very next year, they won 42. Then, after that, his last season in Milwaukee, he won 23 games. And yikes. They, Jason Kidd in 2017, 2018, that was his last season as the Bucks head coach, he went 23 and 22. Joe Prunty took over as coach that season and went 21 and 16 and the very next year after the 17-18 season, Budenholzer took over and the Bucks were the number 1 seed and finished with 60 games. So, Jason Kidd has had the personnel, but he has not maximized the personnel and even in his time in, in Brooklyn, it, he did a lot of immature things. He was, you know, he got some DUI charges on him while being the head coach. If you're the head coach of a team, you can't get DUI charges you have to be more responsible in your job and with Dallas, like you mentioned, they don't have the personnel to play defense and I think he can help Luca but at the same time I think Luca's already an established player there are very few holes in his game I would have liked to see would I, w- I would have liked to seen a coach hired that is going to maximize the roster either on offense or defense offensively, it would have been Mike D'Antoni. To this point, Jason Kidd is not showing me he can maximize anything. So I'm not too fond of this hire. We'll wait and see. Maybe he can turn it around and prove me wrong. But I'm not too fond of this hire. I don't think it's going to help out the Dallas Mavericks much.
1: So I'm actually with Joel here. I, I'm actually kind of surprised that, that Jason Kidd was the hire here. But I understand it because, like Riff said, they definitely need a defensive-minded head coach. And kid definitely is going to bring that to the Mavericks, but like you guys said, the personnel is just not there. There's just more things that need to be done to this Mavericks team for them to have this kid hire make sense to me. I, I would have loved kid, like I mentioned in one of the last podcasts, to come to the to the, to the to the Pelicans. I just feel like that fit would have been a whole lot more better just because how similar Zion is to how Giannis was coming up, and and, and Zion's significantly better than than what Giannis was at that age. And, and like you mentioned, Kid has just not done it as a head coach. He he hasn't has he even made the playoffs as a head coach with the Nets, I think, with the super with team. With the Nets
0: and the Bucks, he didn't make the playoffs.
1: With the, so for, with forty one but as a head coach, he's under
0: five hundred.
1: Has he ha, has he won a playoff series? Yeah, he has, yes, he yes. He okay. He beat Toronto? With the Nets, with he the won Nets, a playoff yeah. series.
0: But all I think with the Nets, no, nah, it wasn't with him. It wasn't when they got upset by Chicago with Nate Robinson. He wasn't the coach that no, time.
2: It was the
1: they beat Toronto and
0: lost to Miami. Yes. yeah.
1: I just feel like with, with Luca, with KP, Tim Hardaway, I just would have liked a, a coach that was more focused on offense, especially because of how offensive heavy they are. I'd understand wanting to get a defensive minded coach, especially when, you know, they're definitely lacking on that end. But why not just go all in on offense? We're seeing Atlanta go all in, honing in on offense, and it, it's taken them this far. Of course, they have the talent and the personnel to do it, and they're playing Relatively well on defense. Our our comment section was killing us, saying that we we disrespected Atlanta's defense and their their top five defense in this playoffs. Yeah, don't talk
2: about their top five defense because they played yeah, no, exactly. disrespect, But the Knicks horrible
1: were horrible. Offense. That's a fact. Seventy uh, Sixers really weren't that efficient offensively either. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's
0: true. I mean, you're right, but the the reason I really don't like this hire is because kid has not proven anywhere he can be good that's as a, a head fact. coach. Correct. This is a hire strictly on resume alone. And not even resume as a coach, but resume as a player Correct. because it's Jason Kidd. Because he's an all-time great point guard, they feel like he can develop Luka. But Luka is on his way to becoming an all-time great player. He doesn't need to be developed. He needs a coach that is good at coaching. I'm and Jason you. Kidd is not that to me. He just isn't. And if you remember, those Bucks teams, when they made the playoffs— they were a first-round exit before Budenholzer got there. I mean, the talent they had back then, they had Giannis, they had Bledsoe, they had Brogdon, they had Middleton, and they lost to a Boston Celtics team in the first round in seven games with no Kyrie. That was when Tatum was a rookie, and yeah. Rozier went off against Milwaukee. Like, Milwaukee before Budenholzer was a first-round exit, so say what you want to say about Budenholzer, but at least he's brought some relevance to Milwaukee. Jason Kidd... You can you can credit him for developing Giannis, but then again, Giannis, he put in the work himself in the gym. No doubt. He was getting better himself. I just don't think the Mavericks need a de- developmental coach. I think they need a coach that is great at schematics. I don't think that's Jason Kidd, and I think this is an out-of-touch move by Mark Cuban, and it's just showing how dysfunctional this Mavericks organization seems at the moment because I don't think this was the right hire. I wish it would have been Chauncey Billups that would – Chauncey Billups, Mike D'Antoni, even Becky Hammond. I would have liked somebody else, not Jason Kidd. We've already seen him. He got his shot. He wasn't good.
2: It was P.J. Carlos Carlissimo. Carlos That was that year. They lost to uh, Joakim Noah. Seen Hall legend. Yeah, it was that him. P.J. Carlos Seen Hall
1: legend. Yeah, he, he is a, He's a Seen Hall legend. They fired yeah. uh, Hollins and then brought him in in the middle of the season. So, actually, to – to go against what you are saying, Milwaukee's defense actually, while Kidd was the coach, the only worst teams defensively: Atlanta, Orlando, Phoenix, Cleveland, Sacramento.
0: Sheesh! So, as a defensive minded head coach, he exactly, wasn't good he wasn't wow. even that
1: good. That's crazy. So it's like, really, what is he bringing to the table? That was with his the Mavericks? identity the only thing that I could think of? Is one, he was he has history with the Mavericks, of course,
0: and won a championship, of
1: course. Two, you have Luca who triple double, you know, can score the basketball sh- that might make them reminiscent of what Jason Kidd used to be able to do. I really don't know. So it, wait, not what, year, what year are you talking I mean, about? Significantly better. The year he was fired.
2: Oh, because the year they made the playoffs, they were fourth in defensive rating. Okay. So when they make the when their defense
1: is there, they make the playoffs. Yeah, it makes All sense. Right, it makes sense. I, I just don't Boy. think this was a good move. Yeah, it really, it was questionable. We'll see who the, the
0: Mavericks sign a free agency to try to make this roster better. But if they wanted to make Luka happy, I guess if since he has a good relationship with Jason Kidd, I'm not sure if he does or not. But if he does, I guess this was the right move to try and
2: appease Luca. I just think they're trying to please him too much instead of trying to win. I
1: don't. I don't mind trying to please Luca too much, especially when you're trying to keep him and there's rumors of him yeah, wanting but out.
2: Sometimes pleasing your superstar isn't the best move.
1: But look at LeBron, dude. They didn't please LeBron, and LeBron went and dipped. It's like you don't want to lose a generational talent like that. Luca, they're talking. That was seven years later, and he came back by a miracle of God. Well, that was seven years later, though. Luca's year, what, t- three? My point is. Them catering to him early is not the worst decision. I just
2: think catering to him, though, is making them look at things too quick or making bad decisions or in like decisions without thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have waited on getting a head coach. Oh, I agree. You oh, know, I you agree. Could've, you could have done a little bit of waiting. Season. But as soon as Rick Carlisle says, <laughs> when you, get Jason Kidd, you go get him?
0: When you look at the Mavericks organization and what they've been since winning the championship, it just feels like they have been out of touch. The free agency moves, the front office moves. I mean, this offseason— Everything collapsed. Don Nelson leaves. Rick Carlisle leaves. Everything collapsed for them. I don't know what's wrong and what's going on, but right now it seems like Dallas is a mess. And this is going to do it for episode 95 of the podcast. We talked about the draft lottery. We talked about Trey Young, DeAndre Ayton, his ranking and new head coaching hires. And if you guys made it this far, you might as well rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thumbs up. And you can follow us on Instagram, and TikTok at Pick Podcast. And follow us on Twitter at Pick Pod.
1: And real quick before we go, wanna give a quick happy birthday to Mr. Joel Moran. Thanks. I appreciate 22 it. Years Did you guys old. shout me
0: out on my birthday? Yeah, I don't know.
1: Of course you didn't. Listen, you're getting a shout out for your next birthday. <coughs> happy birthday to my boy. For real, man. Happy birthday, Brody.
0: You know, usually whenever I do the do the ending to the podcast and I say people and I tell people to, you know, you can follow us on TikTok. Mm-hmm. I used to always say that and never wonder and never thought. I always thought to myself, why am I saying that? Because we don't even post on TikTok. Mm-hmm. But now, like, we jumped up in followers so much that it's like, why not post? Of course, on you got to. You got to. Yeah, I mean, we got a few
2: things from this one that are probably going to TikTok. Yeah, nah, probably. This is a really good episode.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, clippable stuff here. Mm. Clickbait. So thank you guys for listening or watching, and we'll see you guys next time.